Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz do it. They do it again. They win again. They beat the guys wearing the Brooklyn Nets uniforms. Kevin Durant's hurt. He hasn't played for a while. Kyrie Irving is excused from this road trip. He's got a family member to fam, family matter to attend to. So these three games, he's not playing. And James Harden off the heels of a win in Portland where he played 40 minutes and had a huge stat line. They give him the night off. They said it was a sore neck. And, you know, if it had been the playoffs, I'm sure he would have played. But it isn't the playoffs. And they don't need home court. And they can probably still get it anyway. And so why, you know, why run James Harden into the ground? So they sit him and then there's a bunch of role players not playing. You know, Dinwiddie's not playing. Blake Griffin's not playing. You can just go down the list of guys who aren't playing. So the Jazz uh, won the first quarter 38 to 17. They had a 21 point lead. They jumped on him early. And uh, you'll hear coming up in the best of the postgame show uh, later this hour uh, that multiple, well, the two guys who spoke, so multiple guys, both the players who spoke, Donovan Mitchell and Bojan Bogdanovich, uh, they both said, um, hey, we remember the Houston game. First game back after the break. You know, they're not good. We really struggled with them, struggled through the first half, struggled into the third quarter, gave up runs. So... They made sure that the Brooklyn game looked and felt different. And boy, did it look and feel different. They got that 25-point halftime lead. They pushed it to 36. They win by 30. It was it was a no-doubter. And they cleared the bench with uh, seven or eight minutes left in the game. So the Jazz get the win. That's 17 in a row at home. And not only that, uh, they stretched their lead in the Western Conference because the Phoenix Suns, who have the second-best record in the West, uh, and ironically, have the best record against the West. Phoenix, for whatever reason, is struggling versus the East, and the Jazz are handling the East pretty well. So the Jazz have the best record by three games, but the Suns actually have a better mark in conference games. So the Jazz, they, now they've also played a lot more. Uh, they're 19 and 8 against the West. The Jazz are 13 and 6, but that still gives Phoenix a better percentage. If the Jazz go 6 and 2 in their next eight against the West, they would match them. And it doesn't really matter how you perform against the whole West because you're only going to have to beat three Western teams to get to the NBA Finals. I say only, like that'll be easy, right? Um, But only as opposed to, you know, there's uh, 14 potential opponents, but you only have to play three of them. So it's really how you match up with those three. It's not even how you match up with the whole West. But I did find that interesting when I I heard that mentioned. Uh, I don't think I saw it on Twitter. I think they mentioned it on the ESPN broadcast. But in any case, or maybe on SportsCenter. But in any case, uh, the Suns are back East and going back-to-back. And they had won in Miami, but then they turn around and lose in Orlando. And they got beat 112-111 and gave up an Evan Fournier driving, uh, twisting uh, layup high off the glass with six seconds left to win the game. Devin Booker had some good quotes afterwards. Um, You know, I think Booker is uh, statistically it's not that different, but to me it's just massive that he's he's having this kind of year and scoring on a team that's winning. Um, Because you got to hit big shots, and I get he didn't hit enough big shots to win it. But when they blew that game, he said all the right things afterwards. And you got to like that, too, if you're a Suns fan or an NBA fan and you just want to see good young players develop. He said, hey, we got an 8 or 10 lead, and we messed around, screwed around with it, and we blew it, and we lost the game. And still could have done it if we made just a couple of big plays at the end of the game, which is true. It's a one-point game, you know, a stop here, a bucket there. Um, But they didn't do it, and they lost. But I thought that was – Pretty interesting. He said all the right things after that. So the Jazz now three games clear of the Suns in the Western Conference. They are four up on the Clippers. Clippers beat the Spurs and are turning around and playing the Spurs again tomorrow night. Or tonight, I mean. 
Uh, they're playing back-to-back nights, not the two and three. You know, the Jazz are going to go play the Lakers in a month, and it'll be two and three. But the Jazz this week are playing the Grizzlies back-to-back Friday, Saturday. And oddly, then they have a third game the next week. So they play them three times in pretty quick succession. So it'll be uh, Spurs and Clippers again. Clippers got the win, and now we'll see if they can turn around and do it again. You know, often when you play two, a team twice that close, they split, which there is a big history of that. But I think there's enough of a talent gap between the Clippers and the Spurs that the Clippers ought to be able to handle it. So Jazz, three games up on the Suns, four up on the Clippers, four and a half on the Lakers, and... The Lakers are going to play the Sixers tonight. That's the second game on TNT. So the Lakers, with their depleted lineup and a three-game losing streak, we'll, we'll see how this plays out for them and how quickly they're going to fall back towards the Nuggets and Blazers. I think that, assuming the Lakers get healthy in the playoffs, you know there should be seven pretty good teams in the West. Now, one of those will, you know, the math tells you one of those will have to play in the playing game where the playing game or games. Um, seven will play eight and the winner will be in. Nine will play ten and the loser will be out. And then whoever loses the game between the better teams will play the you know the team that wins. Right now, Dallas and San Antonio seven and eight. The winner would be in and the loser would play the winner of the Memphis Golden State game. I would expect Beck Golden State to do a little better, but you know, Steph Curry's out, and you know, a lot of this is going to depend on who plays down the stretch, who legitimately gets hurt, and which team wants to tank and sits a guy with something he could play through. Um, and it'll also be interesting to see how far the Lakers fall. The Lakers are sitting on 16 losses. If they lose to the Sixers tonight, that's 17. Denver and Portland are both sitting on 18 losses. So the Lakers are fourth, but they could be fifth or sixth in a hurry. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out and and how long, um, how long the the Lakers are shorthanded here with, without both AD and LeBron? I think it'll help to get AD back. It will help more to get LeBron back. It would help mostest to get them both back. But that seems like it's still a month away. So, see how that goes. But the Jazz uh, took care of business, and now they got the Grizzlies, who are ninth in the West and are twenty-one and twenty, sitting on a three-game win streak right now. They've been bouncing around five hundred. That's where they are, a game above it right now. So, and, and obviously it's a big prize to go from ninth to eighth because then you got uh, two chances to win one game instead of having to win twice. Much better to be in the 7-8 slot than it is in the 9-10. So Grizzlies definitely have something to play for. You know, they're a young team on the way up. So anything they get is more than they had. And, you know, staying in ninth would be more than they had. But getting into that 7-8 game would be a big prize. So it'll be interesting to see with the Jazz playing in three times in quick succession, you know, how this works out. Mike Conley versus his old team. Uh, I don't want to put too much into that game because it wasn't a game for very long. The Jazz, um, you know, jumped out to a big early lead. Really in the first five minutes of the game. It wasn't even the first quarter. You know, the first five minutes of the game, they they pushed the lead up to to double digits and and just rolled early. Um, But a couple weird things happened. One was that uh, Jordan Clarkson could not... (laughs) <laughs> just couldn't find it. He made, well, I guess he could because he made one bucket. Uh, he had a miserable shooting night. So did Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles, who had been red hot from three and was 18 of 22 in his last three games and it got to 50% on the season. And 18 of 22 is 81%. You knew he had to cool off. He was one of six. So he did cool off in a game that they didn't really need him to be hot. Clarkson was one of 11. That was uh, one of 11 from three, one of 15 from the floor. Joe didn't take any two-pointers. His one of six was one of six from three, and his one of six on the night. But Clarkson was one of 11 from three and one of 15. But then afterwards, he was like, hey, another win. We got to keep getting better bit by bit, adding to things, you know, brick by brick, like all the bricks I shot tonight. 
Okay, that was pretty funny and pretty self-deprecating. Uh, if you're on, on Twitter, check out Jordan Clarkson's feed because that was, that was pretty good. Uh, but the guy everyone's been worried about, Bojan Bogdanovic, uh, shot it well, and he was upset he missed a couple shots early in the game. You'll hear him talk about that. But he was 4-6 from 3. That's 67%. That's that's a good night at the office. He was 4-5 at the line. That's 80%. That's a good day at the office. And 5 of 8. 62.5% from the floor, all those shooting numbers are good. That's what you want Bogey to look like. Maybe, if anything, you want a little more volume. You want him to take a few more shots when he's that hot. Uh, but the way things have been going, you can't complain about that at all. Uh, 18 points on 5 of 8 shooting. 4 of 6 beyond the arc, a 4 of 5 of the line. Done and done. And he has gotten uh, you know, a little, little heat for having the 30 trillion, right, where you got the 30 points, you got nothing else all the way across the box score. He did have uh, 3 rebounds and 3 assists, so... He added in something a little there. So, um, hey, Bogey gets a little back on track. Two other guys are cooler, not not good, but, eh, you know, it's one night. And Niang had it going on. Uh, Mitchell and Niang were both 5 of 8 from 3, in addition to Bogey's 4 of 6. So the Jazz still shot 42% from the three-point line. So that's the beautiful thing about, you know, thinking, hey, we got an any given night. We could have five or six or seven guys. You're probably not going to have everybody hot from the three-point line. So on a night, a couple guys are ice cold. A couple other guys go nuts, and uh, and play really play really well. Shoot it really well, which of course you know, everything you do from the ball handling to the execution to the screening, the cutting, everything is to set up that shot and make it as high percentage as possible. And they cashed in forty two percent from three. When they do that, when they make twenty three three pointers. They're good to go, especially against a depleted team like the Nets. So now the Grizzlies Friday and the Grizzlies again Saturday. Both those games at home. Jazz are home. That was that Brooklyn game was the uh, first of uh, they're playing like 11 of 14 at home. So going to be a lot of home games coming up here. All right, DJ and PK, we're going to take a break. we got the best of the postgame show coming up a little later. But next, a little college football to get you going. The Utes meeting with the media, a couple of position coaches, uh, one of the positions you have the most confidence in and one of the positions you have the least confidence in. And we will get to that next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. So... We're into the middle of spring football here. For BYU, it's winding down. They've uh, moved their uh, spring football spectacular. I hate to call them spring football games, especially now that they're supposed to be on TV and recruits get to see them. But, of course, opposing coaching staffs get to see them too. So they become more vanilla than they already were. And now BYU's moving theirs indoors. So they were hoping to get some fans there. But uh, with the weather forecast and the way everything's trending, they're just going to go indoors and do things there. So BYU's wrapping it up at the end of this week. Utes are uh, still picking up steam here, and uh, a couple position coaches meeting with the media uh, this week, Sharif Shah and Chad Bumpus. Now, Sharif is as veteran a coach as you can be. Going back to his playing days, his Utah roots run deep. Chad Bumpus, brand new. Just got here for spring ball. Now he was here before as a grad assistant, uh, but he played on the other side of the country in the SEC, so you know doesn't have deep ties here. 
you know, who who is Chad Bumpus and uh, where does he want to go with the uh, receivers here and what is he like? You're going to find out he's a high-energy guy. If anything, he's kind of a young Sharif. And <laughs> Sharif probably doesn't want to hear me call him old. But, uh, hey, Sharif was playing when I got here in the 90s, so. What, what are you going to do, right? And uh, went off and had his law career and then came back and has now been coaching for a long time. And the defensive backfield, man, they have talent and then they coach them up. You know, sometimes you recruit guys and they got a big rep, but it doesn't quite work out. But with the Utes, um, they've recruited guys who are maybe in the three-star range and turned them NFL guys, but then they bring in a guy who's in the four-star range and he turns into an NFL guy. So even though there's been a lot of change in the defensive backfield, it was a pretty good uh, 2020 season, as truncated as it was, that short little five-game tiny season. Uh, but you could still see, even though they gave up some big plays, you could see them getting better and expect that they will be better this year. Now, what is Bumpus going to do with the receivers? Um, you know, I, I want to say he gets a pass, but you never really get a pass because there's, there's too much at stake and the Utes have been too good and they're too close to winning the conference, even though they haven't done it. And it seems like they got a decent chance to be the top team in the division. Again, they're not the favorite. I think USC is the favorite. But I don't think that either ASU or Utah is thinking this is an impossible deal. It could be done. There'll be a lot of things that break or out of control that could break your way. And then you got to control all the stuff you can't control, you know, and, and play well and not mess up winnable games and all that kind of stuff. So... At the same time, you got to recognize the youths. It just looks like they're short and talented wide receiver. Now, can Chad Bumpus coach somebody up? Can somebody who's off the radar have a breakout season? Well, yeah, it could happen. Of course, it hasn't happened for Utah receivers, and that's why I doubt, and that's why you doubt, that it will happen. And yet we have to acknowledge it could. You know, And the reason Kyle made a coaching change was trying to unlock some potential he sees not being tapped. Now, obviously... You know, they only really had four guys catching the ball as wideouts last year, and two of them transferred out, you know. But, hey, they need a 1,000-yard receiver. Can Solomon Enos be that guy? It doesn't seem like Britton Covey can. It would take too many catches, and he's not a bigger guy. And how many hits did he have to take? Um, But still, if they can get a lot of production out of those two guys, and if they could just find a third guy to step up and be good. Not great. Just be good. Uh, Given what they have with the tight ends and given what we expect out of the running game, could be enough. So, all right, let's listen to coaches. We will start first with the guy who uh, you've heard from before, Sharif Shah. Sharif Shah. He's a talker. He's high energy. He knows he's got some talent, and he knows there's still a lot of potential to be unlocked in the defensive backfield. Here's Sharif Shah. Good morning, Coach Shah. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. So, you you had a very young cornerback group last year, and you know they were able to get five games of reps in there of very meaningful of, of very meaningful reps how how crucial was that especially when they didn't lose any eligibility invaluable you know because on paper it'll be the same group only by freshmen right that'll be the designation that falls at the end of the name but in terms of accumulated reps game time experience i mean absolutely invaluable because we can talk all day in the film room we can get out and practice and go against our own guys but when you have an opportunity to play a real game, make a real tackle, get a PBU, a potential interception, as a young player, it develops and builds confidence that it's just no substitute for. So it it really will pay, I think, massive dividends for us going forward. Next, we'll go to Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune, followed by Bill Riley, ESPN 700. Hey, Sharif, how are you this morning? I'm outstanding. I appreciate it. Good. Um, you know, this is still a young group, but as you just said, they have experience now. Um, how does the dynamic in the room change? You know, they're 
they're young, but they have experience now. You know, they have some idea of what they're doing. How does the dynamic of the room change? I think what you try to look for now, even with a young group that has just a little bit of experience, who is going to emerge as that leader? You know, because everybody just can't say, we all can't sit back and say, okay, well, we're all young, we're all young. Now, yes, we have just a little bit of experience, but now I'm looking for and I'm pushing to get a leader out of this young group. And right now I have two guys that are starting to emerge and that's Clark Phillips and Travis Broughton, who I absolutely love. And their leadership, just by how they conduct their business every day, is what's getting exciting. You know, you get practice players, if we go back a few years, or maybe just a year or two ago, to like Jalen Johnson. What people never saw, what you guys probably couldn't appreciate every day, is how hard Jalen practiced. And I loved it. And I, and I pushed him that way. And I said, listen, if you really want to be great on Saturday, be great every single day in practice in every single period of every single rep. And so I'm screaming at him like it's a game in practice. I'm doing the same thing to, to Travis, the same thing to Clark, wanting them to just recognize that if I'm yelling at you like this, if I have this level of intensity, then the game should be easy. Now demanded from the people that's going to be on the field with you. Require them to do the exact same thing. Open up your mouths and speak. I don't have enough vocal players in my room, and that's what I'm really trying to develop right now. Just to follow that up, you know, you you say that you want to develop some more vocal players. How, how do you develop something like that where maybe a kid is not super vocal? Can you turn a kid into a vocal player? Absolutely. Absolutely. And first and foremost, you know, and, and guys have laughed at me for years, but when we stand in the indoor – and I'm on one opposite end of the field and I'm making the corner stand on the other opposite end and I'm asking them to give me a call. And they're like, coach, I can't, I have to yell it. There you go. So let's start using your outside voice. We're not in the library, speak up and yell it to me. So you have to train that love, that vocal muscle, make them scream, make them yell because 50, 60, sometimes 70,000 people, it's going, you're going to get drowned out. So if you're not used to, first of all, communicating in a very loud, forceful way, you're not going to help us. It's going to be the worst possible addition to a very young defense to have a quiet secondary player. We have to be able to communicate. So I think that a kid can come into the room very quiet, very bashful, but you can do things to encourage his ability to speak up, you know, and to speak forceful, uh, forcibly so that he can be heard. I need a forceful voice, and that's important. I'm, I'm just telling you, the offenses change, shift motion, and we have to yell at each other. So you can do small things. That's just one of many things that I try to do on the field to try to develop a louder, more vocal group. Next, Bill Riley, ESPN 700, followed by Sammy Mora from The Chronicle. Coach Shaw. Real deal. What's up, baby? Good morning. Uh, Kyle talked the other day about you guys getting back to playing more man to man. I'm curious where, where that came. Was there something late in the season? Is it just the development of the off season and where these guys are now? And the second part of that is how important for the, 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 the DNA of this defense is it that you guys play man to man defense? So Bill, you've, you've seen and watched this defense develop, you know, for a number of years now. And I think coaches desire to go back to playing man to man is because you start to get kids who had just a little bit of confidence. You know, you coach Scally, I, I love him because he's not only because he's intense like me, but he's incredibly intelligent. So he's always going to put the entire defense in the best position to win. 
And going into this season, we had to be smart. You know, we had a lot of young guys that were completely untested. So you needed to mix in more zone than we normally would and get them comfortable at pattern matching, knowing high-low compromises, understanding how to go from one look to another look. And then like a quarterback would progress through his read, so does a secondary, you know, and a linebacking core. But as the season, the young season progressed, you started to see some guys get some confidence in their man's coverage skills. Coach Witt and his discerning eye said, listen, we have now enough reps in that young season to start to push our guys in a way that we didn't want to do or couldn't do last year. So let's get back to our DNA. When you're able to, and to answer the second part of your question, Bill, if you're able to play man coverage, as you know, you're able to do a whole lot with that front. I can, I, if I have a good lockdown corner or somebody who's developing to a lockdown corner, I may be able to utilize my other defenders in ways that could be suffocating. So man coverage is good for us. It, it disrupts the timing between the quarterback and the receiver. And if we're really playing good man coverage, it allows our defensive line to get there a little bit faster. As many times as that quarterback is patting on that ball and we want pat, 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 sack. That's what we like. So that means cover, cover, and cover again. So I just think it's the evolution of what you're starting to see uh, from the young group. And there's so many kids that are starting to develop, whether it's, you know, Malone, Mata Drew Rawls, Zamaya Vaughn. You know, you're just starting to see people get more comfortable playing man coverage and the techniques that we teach. Next, we'll go to Sammy Mora from the Chronicle. Good morning, Coach. Morning. Um, so quick question. So with the kick return game, the only person who's listed on the two deep is Britton Covey. What are the possibilities of seeing someone like Jalen Dixon back in that kickoff return or in that punt return role um, headed into fall? Great question. Uh, I think there will probably be a high likelihood of trying to get one of our other uh, dynamic electric playmakers back there, you know, because Britton is so pivotal to the offense. I mean, we, 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 we want to try to keep him in that offensive set, but God, he does so much for the team. But I have to do a good job of identifying other ball players like a Jalen Dixon, who you mentioned, or Money Parks, you know, people who consistently get the ball in their hands and are absolutely electric. So that's my goal. And to your point, we're definitely trying to develop that secondary person so that we can introduce him early in the season. And I don't know who it's going to be, but top of the list, as you've identified, would be Jalen Dixon, would be a Money Parks. I think some of our uh, young, um, the transfer backs that we've had have experience and also kick returning, whether it's TJ Pledger and also Chris Curry. So we have elite, the good thing, we have some good options. There's Sharif Shah. He coaches the defensive backs. Chad Bumpus is brand new, former grad assistant at the U. So some of the guys know him and uh, Britton Covey spoke very highly of him earlier in the week. So did Kyle. And uh, Chad Bumpus is back now. Can he unlock the potential in the wide receiver uh, group? Can somebody have a breakout season? Here's Chad Bumpus. First of all, welcome back to Utah. Um, and second, what, what stood out about the job when you were going through the process? Uh, first, I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, good to be back. Um, and the people. That was the biggest thing for me. I, I was here as a graduate assistant in 18 and got to meet some of the people on staff in the facility. 
uh, just the people in Utah in general. Um, and I understood what kind of program it was, what kind of program I was coming back to, the way the guys work, uh, everything that's expected of the guys. And literally what I was used to, uh, same co- program basically from uh, what I had in college. So I was really familiar with it, uh, got to know some of the guys who were still here. So um, it was a no-brainer. It was exactly what I was looking for. Josh Furlong from KSL.com, followed by Josh Newman of the Salt Lake Tribune. Yeah, Chad, you're obviously, uh, you know, well-versed in this, the, the personnel on the, the roster scene that you were here a couple of years ago, but you know, what, what do you feel like you can, you can provide to this team that, that will help them maybe get more touches like coach Whittingham has talked about, especially knowing that you've been in that position and, and you've got that experience. Yeah. Just understand the fundamentals and technique right now. Um, we got a lot of guys. Uh, we got some guys who played a lot of ball, um, and we've got some young guys with some talent. So my deal is just get the most out of them, uh, help them understand where they can be successful, help understand which positions they they're, they're best at. Um, again, coach, I think Coach Ludd does an awesome job of putting guys in positions to be successful and playing to the strengths of our offense. And uh, right now, we're just trying to find those guys on the perimeter who, who we think going into fall camp can help us. Um, and we're doing a good job right now. They're working. They're doing everything I'm asking them to do. So it's just about continuing to grow every day and keep stacking days together. Next up, Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune, followed by Hans Olson. Chad, good morning. How are you? Great. How's it going? Doing well. Thank you. Um, what has the last four or six weeks been like for you? You know, you were at Austin P. You take the Central Michigan job. Uh, you know, the Utah job comes up. Um, ha- had you had you moved to Michigan before already before the Utah job came up? Yes, I was in Michigan for uh, fourteen days. <laughs> so, uh, I had just gotten there, um, getting to know the players, and um, and what's weird is, or I guess not weird, but funny for me is I had been in touch with coach Witt. So um, just updating him on how my career was going, where I was, because I knew at some point I wanted to be back here. So I always stayed in touch with him. Um, and when I got the central job, we actually talked and he congratulated me, uh, just telling me stay in touch. And two weeks later, this job came open and um, I reached out to him, uh, reached out to some of the guys on offense just to see what, what he was looking for, which direction they, if they had an idea of which direction it would go. Um, and it worked out. Um, and so that Thursday I interviewed and Saturday morning I was on a plane. So it, it worked out just like, like I wanted, basically. Just to follow that up. I mean, it sounds like it's been a chaotic time. I mean, can you maybe just kind of speak to that a little bit, just, you know, in your personal life, just how chaotic it's been? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's exactly what you think. But luckily for me, uh, as blessed as I am, my wife, she is really good about this. She's been through it. Her dad's been a longtime college football coach. So uh, having somebody like that who understands it, um, she's actually still back in Nashville getting everything ready. So, um, But, yeah, it's been wild. It's been a wild ride. Just uh, you don't expect it. I mean, I, I was getting settled in Michigan thinking I'm going to be here for a while, and bam, this opportunity happened and um, jumped on it. Next, we'll go to Hans Olson, 97.5 and 12.8 of the zone. So you arrived to the office, Coach, and obviously you find that some really good talent has transferred out of the program. How unsettled was the wide receiver room? And how, how much have you had to try to calm down players and unify them and, and, and settle them down? How difficult has that job been? Uh, it hadn't been difficult at all. I mean, it, in this program, you know it's the next man up, and those guys see that as an opportunity to get on the field. Obviously, we have the Coveys in the room who, who's been very successful. You got Solo, um, and we got some guys coming along. So 
um, there, um, there, there wasn't much stress. You know, they uh, again, they saw it as an opportunity to get on the field and make plays. So um, obviously uh, we wish the best for those guys, but it's about the guys in the building right now. And they're excited, man. They get an opportunity to go out and show what they can do. And so far we're making the most of those opportunities. So we just got to keep going, keep building, understanding what it is, what the situation is um, and make plays. That's all it's about. Next, we'll go to Josh Furlong, KSL.com. And when you were hired, we, we heard a lot about how the players loved you. You were obviously a, a name that was familiar to them and, and that people liked you. What, what do you feel of, is, is your coaching style that, that allows you to maybe to connect to these players and, and kind of uh, you know, help them progress through whatever they're going through as college kids? Um, very energetic. That's, that's the biggest thing for me, uh, because I love this game so much. Um, being able to get out on the grass, on the turf and just, and coach and do what I love to do, bringing a lot of energy. And another thing is my youth. Um, I use that too, as an advantage. I'm not far removed from what they're going through. So I, I'm very relatable to what they do and what they're seeing on campus. Um, what they're feeling when they're waking up for these morning workouts. I was going through that a few years ago. So, uh, like I tell them, come talk to me. There's nothing that you can say or do that's going to surprise me at this point. So very relatable, very energetic. And again, I use my youth to my advantage. I run around with them um, and, and try to have fun. You know what I mean? I'm going to coach them hard, but love them just as hard. And, and, and we're getting better. We're building those relationships and they're starting to trust me and see that I only want the best for them. Um, and so it, it's working out. We'll go back to Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Chad, you mentioned the youth and not being so far removed, you know, from where these players are now to that end. Do you think that, you know, the NFL credentials that you bring can not only help in the room, but also with the high school kids that you may uh, that you may one day recruit? Absolutely. Uh, because, again, that's their goal, right? That's everybody wants to play in the NFL. Um, I've seen the steps. I've had teammates. And again, not just me. Other coaches have. But um Again, talking to my youth, uh, it wasn't long ago when I was doing it. So um, just having those relationships, having contacts, uh, and again, playing the position, knowing what they're looking for, helping them understand that it is a business. And if you understand that before you get there, I think you last a little longer. So uh, all those areas I'm able to help, and I just try to do it as much as I can. Okay, you have your questions for Coach Bumpus. One from Sammy Mora, Daily Utah Chronicle. Hi, Coach. Um, how important is it to have two guys like Britton Covey and Solomon Enos still in the wide receiver room that you know and know what they can do? Really, really important for me, huge for me, because one, they understand my style of coaching. Um, so first time I was here, I was actually mostly inside with the uh, slot guy. So got to spend a lot of time with Covey and that was uh, Solo's freshman year. So um, him, co- him coming in and being in that room, they understood my coaching style, understood what I was about. And now um, that we've had uh, some time together, you get to see them help the younger guys. And so I've done individual meetings and everybody I've talked to, I ask them, who are the leaders in the room? And you get those two guys along with others, but those are the two main guys that jump out um, just because of how much they help the guys in the room. Under, help them understand what I'm about, how I go about my, my, my coaching. Um, so it's been really big for me uh, because they help the room so much. Final question will come from Josh Furlong. Hey, you obviously mentioned Covey and Enos, but wh- wh- where do you see as your strengths in this, this wide receiver room and, and kind of where do you see them progressing? 
Um, I think we have a lot of guys who can help us. Um, and again, my job right now is to find out where they can help us the most, whether it's inside, whether it's outside, are you to the field, are you to the boundary? Um, and I think the biggest thing right now is it's an open playing field. I mean, you've got two guys really who've played a lot of football, but we're going to rotate guys. So everybody right now has an opportunity to show what they can do in spring ball uh, working through summer, working in the fall camp. So it's wide open. You know, you, you have guys who have waited a long time for a real opportunity to play. And right now, I don't know that you can ask for anything better, anything more. Um, you, have a, you have a real opportunity with a new coach um, with some open spots. So all you have to do right now is buy into what we're selling and make plays. And you have the, you have the opportunity that you've been wanting. There's Utah wide receiver coach Chad Bumfus. All right, a little football for you. When we come back, the Jazz beat the Nets by 30. Post-game comments from Quinn Snyder, from Donovan Mitchell, from Bojan Bogdanovich. They are coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. Well, the Jazz take it to the Brooklyn Nets. 23 three-pointers, 42% from beyond the arc, a 38-17 first quarter. Brooklyn didn't have Kevin Durant. He's not playing for a while now. Uh, Kyrie Irving's not on the trip. And James Harden played 40 minutes the night before, and they gave him the night off and labeled it a neck injury, but I think it really should have been labeled DNP 40 minutes in Portland. That probably would have been more accurate. Blake Griffin, DNP, left knee. Dinwiddie's not playing. I mean, the Nets, if the Nets go to the finals, and there are a lot of people who think they are, and David Locke is selling them hard, and, you know, certainly they were 16-2 and in the last 18 games. So you got to give it up to them. They are figuring it out on the fly, getting it together, um, but they didn't have their guys last night, and the Jazz really hammered them. So for the best of the postgame show, here is Jake Scott to wrap things up after a 30-point win. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. No Irving, no Harden, no Kevin Durant, no problem for the Utah Jazz. They beat up on the Nets last night, 118-88. to Jake Scott with you. Uh, we're going to get you some post-game sound. The Jazz led by Donovan Mitchell's 27 points on 11 of 18 shooting, do, doing most of the damage in the first half. Uh, the game was uh, far out of hand before halftime in this one, but uh, Donovan played well. Bogdanovich broke out of his cold streak. He was four for six from three, five for eight from the field. He had 18 points. Conley with 18 points. George Niang with 15 points coming in off the bench. And Joe Ingles was lights out for a few games there. In fact, uh, as hot as any player in NBA history, he came back down to earth a little bit. One for six last night with uh, with just three points, although Joe did grab seven rebounds and managed to dish out three assists. Let's get you some postgame sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Hi, Coach. We'll get started with Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Coach, first home game after a long road trip uh, can really feel like a road game, but that didn't show at all. You guys dominated right from the start. Are you pleased with what your team did tonight? Yeah, I think there were some good things. Obviously, you know, Brooklyn was shorthanded. Um, but at, you know, every game try to get better. Um, tonight's no different. Um, 
So I, you know, I thought we came out playing good defense and, uh, you know, they were able to get some offensive rebounds in the first half, which is, you know, they were, they were, they played a big lineup then, but I thought as the game progressed in the second half, you know, we did a better job on the boards and there's some things we'll take from this game. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, what are those things that you can take from this game, just given that, you know, they come in shorthanded to begin with, and then on top of that only play DeAndre Jordan a handful of minutes, um, you know, Joe Harris a handful of minutes. What are, what are the things that you look at from a result like tonight? Um, well, I mentioned, the, the, you know, the defensive glass, you know, the transition defense, those are things that, you know, no matter who's in the game for us or you know, our opponent, that we, we want to – execute in and focus on, I think, uh, you know, when they're switching pick and roll, you know, we have a tendency to get stagnant in those situations and we haven't seen that in a little bit, but that, that's something that we have seen and we'll continue to see. So, um, you know, I, I thought we, like I said, we were a little stagnant in that a little indecisive and um, you know, that's something we've got to continue to, to work on and improve at when you haven't seen it in a while. Um, it's a different coverage and, you know, like any adjustment that a team makes, uh, it takes, sometimes it takes more time than you want, you know, to execute more cleanly in that. And Anderson, KSLsports.com. Jordan seemed pretty dejected in the fourth quarter. I know he had a couple of uh, frustrated timeouts. What do you say to him or does he just kind of need to shoot himself out of this? Well, you know, I don't want to overreact to, to one or two games for any of our guys. Um, you know, we, we know who Jordan is. He's been terrific as many games as, you know, he's had far more games where he's, you know, made shots. But I think the thing we saw, you know, there's other ways to impact the game. And, you know, I thought you saw him really dig in defensively in the second half. You know, he got in the lane and kicked it out a few times. And that's, you know, that's, that, that's going to happen to everybody. If you're not making shots, one, you know, keep shooting, particularly the catch and shoot threes. I think he, you know, he started to pass some of those up. Um, but he, when he did put the ball on the floor and got in the lane, you know, he really, he had his eyes out and, you know, made a couple good passes um, that he kicked out to, to his teammates. David James, QTV. Quinn, what have you seen from uh, Ursan Ilyasova, either in the little bit you've seen him play on the court or just getting to know him off the court? And what do you need and want to see from him in the next couple of weeks? Well, none of us have really seen a lot of each other because of, you know, the protocols on the road. You know, Ursan's been been playing with some of the younger guys to, you know, not only find his rhythm, but to, you know, to continue to get in shape. Um, I, you know, he... With the things that we're doing, you know, a lot of them are new to him, but the concepts are not. Um, and I think you saw him, you know, his ability to handle the ball um, and his length, you know, when he's around the board, you know, we think defensively down on the post, he can rebound and, you know, he has a presence down there. So um, not going to evaluate Urson. We know who he is. I say I'm not going to evaluate him on his, his minutes tonight. I wanted to get him in, you know, with some of the um, – the older guys, meaning, you know, with JC and with George and some of those guys as well to help him kind of find a rhythm. 
There's Quinn Snyder after his team roughed up the Nets 118 to 88. And coach uh, did acknowledge, of course, the, the Nets were a little shorthanded, but did uh, talk about how gave his team the opportunity to work on some things. And uh, he seemed happy with the way that his team played. Let's now get a listen to Donovan Mitchell. Hey, Donovan. We'll get started with Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey, Donovan, we talked about your assertiveness um, and the pace and the rhythm in the first quarter. What felt different at the start for you tonight? Um, I think the biggest thing was just trying to just attack. Um, you know, when they started small, understand if I get to the rim or if I find guys or whatever, finding my looks, you know, just trying to find ways to contribute anyway. Um, but the biggest thing is just trying to be aggressive, get downhill, make plays. And um, today it was get on the rim and finish. You know, some games just get there and kick when they collapse. Um, but that was just my mindset from the jump. Matt Cole's AP. Sometimes when a team is missing a bunch of their starters, it can kind of be a dangerous game. What did you guys tell yourselves before you came out tonight knowing uh, that they were missing a bunch of guys? Yeah, you know, we had that to start the break or to, to the first game after the break against Houston. Um, you know, they had a bunch of guys who, were, who um, were out and, you know, they came to play. We were up by, I want to say, 24 at one point, And then they came back to cut the single digits. So the biggest thing was start strong, continue to play strong, continue to play the right way, continue to do what we do um, and keep it that way for the full 48 minutes. And I think we did a good job of that tonight. Um, those guys are talented, you know, just because those stars weren't playing those, those guys, whether it's Chioza, Brown, um, Harris, uh, TLC, like those guys can, can hoop. Alzey Johnson had 23 and 15 or whatever. So those guys are good. You know, we, we, we continue to do what we do and, you know, we had a few mis- mistakes that we can clean up, but overall we, we did a solid job. David James, KUTV. You know, at different times this year, you've had guys who've had cold streaks, gotten a little frustrated. Bojan got it going. He's had some games he missed shots. Jordan looked a little frustrated tonight. You know, as a leader, what do you say, or, or maybe what do you don't say, and just let him get out of it? Um, I think we've, I think pretty much everyone this, on the team's had one. You know, I started the year off that way. You know, Joe had one, Mike had one, uh, Jason. Like, you know, it's 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 part of it. You know, it's 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 part of the season. I think, you know, Bojan said something today. You know, he was saying that he's this is I think he said the worst slump of his career but he knows what to do you know like we're we, these guys like JC had a, a tough night tonight but at the end of the day he, he's, he's been here before you know he understands and for me it's just being there for him I think that's us as a team just being there for each other understanding that it's not always going to be you know an efficient night you know but understanding that the looks he got were good you know it wasn't like he was out there taking bad shots it wasn't like guys were taking bad shots and you know the same shots he made is the same shots he missed today you know and it's not going to be the same way uh next game of the game after that um, but the biggest thing about a slump is not thinking about the slump, if that makes sense. So not really saying, oh, man, like I'm going through it. Just trying a way to keep yourself uh, on the same level, same shots, and, and keep playing the right way, you know. And at the end of the day, he's, he, did his, he did his thing on defense, you know, contributed, passed, made good pass, made good reads. And just because the shot wasn't falling, you know, he was he was doing other things. And I think that's that's the best part about him and, and Boyan. And, you know, we're going to continue to build off of that. Last question, Ryan Miller, KSL. Is it ever disappointing to when a team doesn't have all their guys? Is it, does it like make the game a little weaker, I guess, in your mind? No, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that because it kind of discredits, you know, the guys who are, who are playing. I wouldn't say it makes it weaker in a sense. I think, you know, you know, when you play against, we want to play against, you know, guys the likes of KD, Kyrie, uh, James Harden, like, you know, that's what it's competitiveness. It's the competitive part, competitor and mean competitive everybody. But at the end of the day, it's basketball. You know, we're not, 
<clears throat> we're not going to change how we play or who or our mindset because guys aren't in the game. Um, I think that's that was the, that's what we showed tonight. You know, I think that's we've had instances in, in my time here where we've played, you know, differently because guys have been out, you know, and I think tonight really showed the mental fortitude we had throughout the entire game to continue to 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 keep our foot on the pedal. You know, and like I said, those guys are good. They can hoop, you know, and at the end of the day, we got to go out there and do what we do, what we do and um, just keep keep uh, keep asserting ourselves. All right, thank you, Donovan. I don't tweet on game days, but shout out to the U of L women uh, beating Northwest, and we got Oregon, which we're about to get a win. So make sure y'all tune in. There's Donovan Mitchell, twenty-seven points for Donovan last night, uh, seven assists and zero turnovers as he uh, continues to play very, very well. You heard him talk about Boyan Bogdanovich breaking out a little bit. Let's hear from the man himself. Here is Bogdanovich. Hey, Boyan. We'll start with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, boy, I'm just based on what you were telling us this morning about, you know, the slump that you're going through and how you're feeling. How did it feel tonight to, do, you know, see some shots go in and, and kind of get in the rhythm of the game? I mean, it was a little bit easier today. Even I started the game again with a, with a too easy, too easy misses. But uh, I stick I stick with a game. I had a couple open open ones later on. But like I said, I got a. I got to be focused and then to be more focused on the beginning of the games. I cannot start every single game with all for all three or all for four. So, so it's, it's great to, to see the ball go in. So I hope that, that I'm going to, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be back and then play way better than, than I was before the, after the all-star. Next up, Matt Cole's AP. Well, and do you think the team has turned a corner and playing more the way that you were playing when you had the long win streak? Listen, we had a we had a really tough schedule. No one understands that we were on a, on the road for the twenty one or, or, or out of twenty seven last last day. So so we had a tough schedule. We back home finally. We are trying to to find a rhythm after the after the all-star break and, and, and play better, play the, the jazz basketball that everybody that every, everybody loves. So so we got a like I said, a home stretch here and, 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 and we have to take care of the business and then try to get on another another winning streak. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Okay, they obviously rested their guys. Uh, I mean, in this kind of compressed 72-game schedule, you mentioned kind of how tough it has been for you guys, but are you feeling the difference physically between this year and maybe the average NBA season? Is it more of a grind than it has been in years past? I don't feel any difference, honestly. Even even we have a, we have a crowd here, so we are even better physically when we play, play in front of the crowd. And a lot of teams are playing in, in empty gyms, so it's really... It's really tough to play that way. Even no one, like no one, fans don't care if we play in a in a empty arena or, or in front of the fans. So, so I really like to play in a, in our home in front of our fans. So, so not basically nothing different physically, but it's big difference playing in front of fans or or with no fans. Last question, David James, KTV. Well, yeah, when you're playing a team like this is missing so many guys, you guys talk about that before the game and talk about wanting to get off to a great start because obviously 38 to 17, you dominated the game right away. Or is that just something that's unsaid? Well, listen, every, every single team 
got a got a great players and whoever's in the league they got a, they got quality so we had a problems with a with the Houston in here when when they rest their guys they had a they lead us in the first quarter I think or or on on half time so it's a little bit tough to adjust when they play with a we had a game plan for the for James Harden and all these guys and then suddenly they didn't play so like I said it's it's, it's great great team win we had an opportunity for the for our young guys to play whole whole four quarters so like I said great 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 game for us there's Boyan Bogdanovich, 18 points, 5 of 8 shooting, 4 of 6 from 3, as he had a bit of a bounce-back game after some struggles. Good to see him uh, back shooting dead-eye. And uh, you you would guess that Bogdanovich will get back to his 40% from 3 shooting self, no doubt about it. All right, coming up next, more DJ and PK right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, there's Jake Scott with the best of the post-game show, and he... And Tim Lacombe will be back for Jazz pre-half and post Friday night as the Jazz play the Grizzlies. And again, Saturday night as the Jazz host the Grizzlies again. It's one of those things about this crazy season. We're going to see back-to-back games. We're seeing it uh, tonight with the Clippers and Spurs playing for the second time in uh, two games. Clippers picking up the win there. Uh, Lakers got to play tonight. We will get to all of that coming up next. What is trending is on the way. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz do it again. They beat the Brooklyn Nets 118-88, a game that was far more boring than the final score would indicate. The Nets said pretty much anybody who was anybody. Certainly their big three all out, but some of their key role players didn't play either. And the Jazz got up 38-17 in the first quarter and pretty much a 25-35 point game the rest of the way. The Jazz win by 30 PK, you like competition. Did you find anything that really interested you in that? Maybe Bojan hitting a few shots? Bojan hitting a few shots. I know we got a little computer glitch, so we don't have sound. So I'll have to... Oh, we just played it in the last segment. So I'll just have to make it up, though. Bojan for three, and he's fouled! Buy one and get one free! It's not a bad impression of lot. <laughs> Oh, Donovan, don't do me like that! <laughs> That's a good one. That's classic. <laughs> no, it was zero competition. Jordan Clarkson had a frustrating night. He was one for 11 from three, one for 15 good. from the floor. Get good. that out of your system when they're winning by 30 yeah. and they don't need you, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Joe was one of seven, but what was the intensity level? Probably uh, on a um, scale of one to ten, one. Yeah, it was one at the start of the second quarter when they gave up a 7-0 run, and Quinn called timeout with a tired look on his face like, do I really have to do this? And I think it went from 7-0, it got to 11-2, and then the Jazz went on another run. And The only thing that mattered was that Clarkson got a three because Craig likes to talk about that streak, and it's yep, uh, and he got some games or 60 games. I don't even know what it is. It doesn't matter to me. But he got it. And so once he got it, that's, that was the only thing that mattered. Did you, care, did you care about uh, the streak for Joe? He shot uh, 81 
percent from three over three games. He was 18 of 22. No, because that wasn't going to continue. Exactly. So now he's 18 of, no, he's or he's 19, 19 of 29, 28. Uh, 28? No, 19 he'll 20. take that. Every 28 threes he takes, if he makes 19, he'll take them. So, I mean, that's really all that matters as far as that goes. And so why not have a crappy shooting night last night against a team that is so badly outmanned? Yeah. They Who really cares? Were. Uh, Clarkson got off a good line on Twitter. He did not, uh, speaking of the podium, they only brought out uh, Donovan Mitchell and Bojan. Uh, but Jordan did tweet out, great team win, keep growing, keep getting better, laying brick by brick. I, I think I took that literally tonight. Laughing till he's crying emoji. Hashtag on to the next one. And uh, Joe got jinxed by everyone talking about it, so there you no, go. No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't possibly. He, he couldn't have run. had any intensity in that game. This guy's a thirty-three-year-old nope. veteran. Come on, it was over. They were up by thirty. Yeah. So now they get to what we're going to refer to as the Memphis Grizzly portion of the schedule. They're going to play the Grizzlies at home Friday night. They're going to turn around and play the Grizzlies at home Saturday night. Cleveland will be here Monday, and then Wednesday the Jazz will go to you guessed it, Memphis to play the Grizzlies. So two in a row and three out of the next four against Memphis. Well, you had said this crazy season here just a minute ago, but yep. I think that we will see that next year going yep. forward. I think that'll be one of the things that sticks. Yeah, I think it's the lesson of the bubble, uh, minimize travel, and you're seeing these things dot the schedule uh, for different teams. So, Grizzlies are 21 and 20, game over 500, sitting in ninth place in the West, and for a young team rebuilding after uh, trading Mike Conley and uh, trading Marcus All. And they got John Morant, who's now their star. And so anything they accomplish, getting into those playing games, that'll be a, a step forward for them. Well, so they'll be all uh, sorts of fired up. Especially this year, they're missing Jackson, who was mm-hmm. uh, a premier player for them, or expected to be. And he's he's been out. Right, He's not back, as far as I know, right? They've got a three-game win streak, and they have uh, won four out of five. But then you flip that. Before that, they had a three-game losing streak. So they're four and four in their last eight, five and five in the last ten. It's who they are. Can the Jazz sweep them on back-to-back nights? All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Games around the NBA. The Phoenix Suns, second place in the West, give up a game to the Jazz in the standings. They are now three games behind the Jazz after losing in Orlando. It was the second night of a back-to-back. They got beat 112-111 when Evan Fournier drove to the hoop and flipped one up high off the glass and in with six and a half seconds to go. And that was the game winner for the Magic, 112-111. Uh, Devin Booker given them the lead with free throws with 20 seconds to go. Uh, he had a decent quote uh, after, the, after the game. He said, we started off the right way, but we never got over the hump. We pushed the lead to 10 or 12 a couple times, and we messed around with the game. They stuck around yeah. and finished it the right way. Yeah, and in that last possession, uh, thinking, well, Booker's their guy. He's got to shoot it. So he took a shot that was awfully difficult, and obviously it didn't go in. But, yeah, this is sort of who the Suns are. We talked about how Memphis out, you know, with them right around 500, Mm -hmm. win two, lose two. Uh, The Suns, uh, much better. I think Monty Williams, in my mind, is coach of the year. Uh, But at the same time, they're going to lose a few. And they've had it like at home. They lost to the Pacers a couple of weeks ago, and and this one here, uh, not not that it's unexplainable, because it's actually 
more along the lines of what I expected of them. I don't expect them to be as good as the Jazz or maybe even as good as their record. So in a sense, I can sort of live with this because they still are a developing team. The interesting thing with them is that they have actually got a better record against the West, not by much, but by a little bit over the Jazz. But the East is where they've really struggled, and they're on an Eastern road trip right now, and they get beat in Orlando. All right, the, yeah, the thing okay. with them, the yeah. thing before we leave it, the thing with them listening to Phoenix Radio mm-hmm. is they really believe that they should make some move here at the trade deadline because their window with Chris Paul being 35 years old, even though they're a developing team, it's not very long. You know, he's under contract through next season. And then at what point does he begin to show a significant decline? Uh, because, you know, you get up there in your 30s from a point guard, no less. There yep. hasn't been that position of player who's been that good uh, 37, 38 years of age. The Clippers are third in the West, and they kept pace with the Jazz. They won easily in San Antonio, 134-101. One of those scheduling quirks, uh, part of this crazy season, but it looks like it'll stick going forward. Uh, the Clippers will play the Spurs again tonight. So... Right back at it. Clippers shot 51% from three in that game. There's 17 of 33. Shot 56% from the floor. So pretty outrageous numbers there. We'll see if they sustain it or if the Spurs uh, get back and, and get after them. Clippers in third place. The Jazz three games up on the Suns, four on the Clippers, four and a half on the Lakers, and six and a half on the Denver Nuggets, who got blown out by Toronto. Toronto had a nine-game losing streak and beat Denver 135-111. to The numbers for Denver were awful. We just had Quinn Snyder last week complaining about giving up 30-point quarters. Denver gave up 38 in the first, 34 in the second. 26 in the third was decent, but 37 in the fourth. So the Nuggets continue with the two steps forward, one step back. Trade deadline, here it is. It's today, 3 Eastern, 1 o'clock Mountain Time. Former Ute, DeLon Wright, traded by the Detroit Pistons to Sacramento for Corey Joseph and two future second-round picks. And now we wait to see if other names, Kyle Lowry, LaMarcus Aldridge, somebody like that will move, like you said, PK, maybe to the Suns. Maybe they get one more veteran who makes a big difference for them and makes them tougher in the playoffs. I think there'll probably be two or three names. Uh, they're talking about uh, the Lowry move you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, his backcourt mate, Powell, uh, who's a nice player, kid out of UC Los Angeles uh, a few years back. Does he get moved? Uh, opportunity here to, to pick up. The thing that I'm concerned about from the Jazz perspective is what are the Lakers going to do? By 1 o'clock today, we'll know. You got any? Uh, you got any player you think that they should get? Or just well, like, certainly Drummond yeah. uh, at center, who would move right into the starting role uh, on that team. And to me, he's shown some ability. And I think that he could really help them. Uh, so uh, that, and if they pick up Aldridge, you know, Aldridge is 34, 35 years of age, but uh, he still can help them. When you've got two studs with the ultimate stud at the top, it's not like you need a ton so, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about what they do because I think that this time tomorrow they have an opportunity to make their team a lot better. Certainly they could use some help on the on the bench, and I would think at the minimum LaMarcus Aldridge could do that for somebody. 
Come in for a few minutes, hit a few of those mid-range jumpers he's famous for. Keep you afloat while you're resting your stars. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Well, it's over for the BYU women's basketball team. They lose to Arizona 52-46. Their season ends in the second round of the NCAA women's basketball tournament in San Antonio. They had their chances, PK. They had a late three in the final minute that would have tied the game up with about 40 seconds to go. And uh, it was a decent shot. It just didn't go in. And before that, they actually led midway through the fourth quarter. But couldn't hold on. Arizona gets it done. Oh, yeah, I think they were up by four, 53-49, something like that, yeah. or 40, 43-39. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, that was right there for the taking. It's got to be frustrating uh, to, to not get that. I mean, I was rooting for him like crazy because of Jeff, honestly. Yeah. Everybody's known uh, Jetty forever. So I uh, wanted to see that happen. I, I covered them way back when in the Sweet 16. I covered, I was thinking about this, I covered – Utah women and BYU women in separate years in the Sweet 16 in Denver. Hmm. Is that the Aaron Thorne run? Uh, Might have been. I mean, she was an excellent player, no question about it. Uh, So I can't remember who the the key players were. I I just remember the one for Utah is our family was having, you know, my, my parents and sisters at Las Vegas. And so we were having a get-together in Vegas. And I had to fly from Vegas up to Denver. So I took my family down, drove down, had to fly up to Denver for the game. And they were playing Notre Dame. And Notre Dame was the overwhelming favorite to win it that year. And so I didn't take any clothes because I figured the Utes would lose. And then I would get up the next morning and fly right back. So I'd be in Denver less than 24 hours. And in those days, they didn't have quarters. They just had halves. And, uh, man, it was deep into the second half, and the Utes were winning. And it's not like I was rooting for them to lose. Because Elaine Elliott was an excellent basketball coach there at Utah. <laughs> but you were thinking, what am I going to do for clothes yeah. if they hold yeah. on? <laughs> yeah. Guess I'm going I mean, shopping. I was on Laundry. the first flight out the next morning to get back to Vegas. <laughs> and, uh, and, and eventually Notre Dame did prevail. And I had like a 6 o'clock flight to get back to Vegas so we could resume our little family extended weekend. (laughs) But for a little bit of time there, I was nervous. So I've covered a lot of women's basketball over the years, that's for sure, and I have no problem covering it. Uh, They've lost to some good teams when they've been there. Uh, Juddie's Sweet 16 losses have been to Tennessee and Colorado, and those programs are the height of their power. And you're right, Notre Dame was really good the year they knocked the Utes out. So, All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Washington football team owner Dan Snyder will gain almost complete control of the franchise. The NFL's finance committee cleared the way for him to buy out his minority investors. Finance committee approved Snyder's application for a $450 million debt waiver, an NFL spokesman confirmed. The other voters will vote at the league's annual meeting next week on whether to approve the deal. Snyder needs 24 of the 32 to do it. He's butted heads with some of his minority owners. And they won out, and uh, I guess he's not a fun guy to be a partner with. So, hit the road. And they may be settling on the name uh, WFT for the long run, despite your pleas for multiple other options. But there it is in no, Washington. No, no, no. The team football, so WTF, or the pigskins, or the skins. The pigskins seems so obvious. And yet, I, it's not I happening. would actually, if my cousin 
Charlie Casserly was still the GM, I would give them a call. Because he used to be their GM, and he is my cousin now. He's like my third cousin. But nevertheless, his parents uh, lived in Sun City when we moved out there, and they were our only family, so we spent a fair amount of time. In fact, his dad, I was playing freshman basketball, and I didn't play a whole lot, and his dad went up to the coach afterward and <laughs> complained about why. And so the coach said, is that your grandfather? I said, no. Uh, he's my father's cousin. My grandmother is named Casserly. And one time I did call Charlie. I just called. I called up the Redskins. Hey, can I speak to uh, Charlie Casserly, please? Uh, who's this? I gave him my name. A couple minutes later, hello? <laughs> he picked up the phone. <laughs> I thought that was kind of weird because I just cold called him <laughs> and asked him for tickets uh, for my father. And I was, I, was living in Salt, I was living in Sandy at the time when I did it. Uh, I called him up and uh, I said, hey, my father really wants to go to the game this week. Can you hook him up? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You're like he was at his desk. I know. I thought it was bizarre. You just pick up the phone. I speak to the GM. Yeah, hold yeah. on a second. <laughs> Let me connect you. <laughs> I'm sure he told her. He probably thought it was my father because we have the same last name. And for, well, obviously the same last name, but I meant to say same first name. Uh... So, uh, and, and I'm sure you remember, because when his father died, he actually stayed at our house uh, during that time. So, I'm sure you remember. But, yeah, so my father went to the game. Wide receiver T.Y. Hilton is returning to the Colts. He signs in Indianapolis one year, $10 million, $8 million guaranteed. This will be his 10th year with the Colts. Only team he's played for in the NFL. He wrote in a tweet, it's only right I finish what I started. Yeah, I mean, you looked at the Colts and they said, I want to love you, T.Y. Hilton. P.Y.T., pretty young thing. I see where you're going. Okay. (laughs) DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Well, the Steve Sarkeesian era hits the brakes pretty quick here. University of Texas pausing their spring Practices due to COVID-19 issues, the school said in a statement the move was made out of an abundance of caution as a result of student-athletes impacted by COVID-19 protocols. So, what are the limits on spring practices? How far can you kick them down the road? Well, I know the NCAA had rules that they had to be over, I want to say, three weeks before the final exams. Now, I don't know if those rules have been amended, but that's how teams always slotted their uh, spring ball was based on, and it may not be 21 days exactly, but there was some rule as to how it was set based on an academic purpose, and there had to be enough time frame between the end of that and when that, usually they call it like a dead time for studying, yeah, something like that. Adding on to that, PK, I was talking with somebody. They said this year, if it is impacted by COVID, you apply for a waiver and they will help you okay. put yeah, it together. So, so yeah, so probably uh, that would happen there. So I don't know exactly what the rules are now. University of Georgia's wide receiver George Pickens surgery on his right knee after suffering an ACL injury in a non-contact drill. He led the Bulldogs with six touchdown catches in 2020. And now he's going to have ACL surgery. All right, that is what is trending. It's brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. No job too big or small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. 
Coming up, we're talking jazz with the TV voice of the Utah Jazz. Craig Bowlerjack will join us coming up at 8 o'clock this morning. And Joe Ingles expected to check in around 8.35 or 8.40. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Have I ever told you about the time Donald Sterling invited me to go watch a game with him to talk about what I'd written about and to dinner and his front row seat? He liked to be seen with the stars. He speaks French in Russian. He once high-fived Gandhi after hitting a home run. He invented the taco salad with Juice Newton. He is Gordon Monson, the most interesting man in the world. Oh, that was incredible. Is that our guy, Ben? That was Ben. That's oh, our Rudovan guy. man. The taco well, salad was my like- I'm glad you enjoyed that. Stay interesting, my friends. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Hot Texas Toes brought to you by Jerry Signer Cadillac. Check out the bold new lineup at Jerry Signer Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. Question of the day. Any irritation that the Jazz didn't get a shot at the real Nets? No Durant, no Irving, no Harden. Role players like Dinwiddie and Blake Griffin, they didn't play. So does that upset you? And Tony says, a win is a win. But it would have been nice to play against the best. I swear the NBA superstars and their, quote, injuries are so ridiculous. It's not very fair to fans when they bail on games because they don't want to play. But I'm glad we blew him out, as any first-place team should. Well, Dinwiddie's got a, a season-long injury yep. here, so I don't know that he would have played. Uh, uh, Saint, Durant has Durant's, been out for a number yeah. of games, so I mean, I have to think it's legitimate there. Uh, Harden, uh, back-to-back. Uh, played 40 uh, minutes. Uh, Didn't you know there was a decent injury? chance? seems a little bit uh, nebulous. Uh, Irving. You're a family issue. You know, he he had missed some games earlier in the season. You're going to have drama. Once you sign on to bring on Kyrie Irving, you're going to have some type of drama. There's going to be something, if not frequently, then occasionally or probably somewhere in between. He's a very talented player, obviously. We all know that. But you're going to have some drama with him. So... There you end up being what it was. And uh, from a competition standpoint, it sucked. And I would have liked to have seen both teams at full strength because I think right now, as I look at it with the Lakers being down, and I, you know, I just don't trust Phoenix that much as far as the number one seed. They've had a, an excellent season to, to not being in the playoffs for like 11 seasons and now being the top four. That's a huge jump for those guys, so good for them. But I don't trust them to be the number one seed. So the point being that the Jazz, I mean, obviously they don't have it locked up. But to me, they're the heavy favorites to have the number one seed. So to further elaborate on the point, even if they would have lost that game, I still would have thought their chances to be the number one seed were really good. And so from the standing standpoint, it's an easy win, but I don't think if you lost it, it would have been a devastating loss. And so I would have liked to have seen them go against the full-strength Nets just to see where they're at. Absolutely. And I think it's just the disappointing thing about this point in the season that you look and you know some games, you got them circled, 
the Nets game ought to be good. Those two Laker games ought to be good. And LeBron gets hurt. And then on closer inspection, you realize, oh, man, the Nets. You kind of see why the Nets played it the way they did. They're more likely to win in Portland than in Utah. Why wear Harden out here? He goes 40 minutes so they eke out the win in Portland. He doesn't play the next night. It's not surprising. i got to wonder what the reaction is at ESPN. I mean, they they set that broadcast up, you know, what with all these guys out, what does it mean for Steve Nash? <laughs> and Van Gundy's like, well, likely it means he's going to lose. <laughs> like, right at the start of the game, there was no sugarcoating it. They brought Woj on to talk trades for a big chunk of the third quarter because they knew it wasn't going to be a game. Yeah, I'm well, so I, those guys. Yeah. ESPN's paying a gazillion dollars, and they're getting that. You know, I can't uh, – I wish it didn't happen, but it seems like no matter what, it's going to happen. We have seen so many stars sit for so many games for years now, and I don't know what they're going to do about it. I mean, they can play fewer games, but they're playing 10 fewer games this year. Extended but a season this was month. extreme, though. Yeah, it was. Uh, so it's not resting st- – Stars, it's gutting your team. Yeah, there's a difference between resting stars and well. The only to me, the only thing they could have done was they could have played Harden. Everything else seems like that's the way it was going to be. Well, once the they announced Irving was not going on this trip, obviously, yeah, and so that that was the situation being what it was. So even if Harden plays. It's still not near the team that they're going to have in the postseason, or the team that they want to have in the postseason. Uh, you know, Jazz have rested guys, or have had reason to rested guys, or not not rested, but not play them. But the in the guts of the team has not been lost, and here they are with these guys with the Nets. I mean, the guts of the team was just yeah. absolutely gone. Led me to put that question on Twitter: Who sucks worse without their stars, the Lakers or the Nets? The Lakers? I guess it's an easier thing to say, the Lakers, because the Nets aren't going to have that many games without all their stars. Whereas I think we're going to see the Lakers really struggle here for a month while while LeBron's out. Well, plus the Nets have more stars. Yeah. They've got one more star, as we would define stars. Three to two. Right. And so... uh, the Lakers are so dependent on those two dudes. That's what makes me a little nervous today is I got to admit from the jazz perspective, I mean, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it personally, but from the jazz perspective, uh, I I think the Lakers make moves. I would be surprised if we get, and it'd probably be trickling. You got to give it a little time past one o'clock to allow them uh, to uh, announce the trades and make sure everything's kosher and all that stuff. Uh, to where I would be surprised if we got to 130 today. Although I, I can't say that because then you can buy guys out, and then that's not a trade deadline acquisition. Uh, you still feel like the Lakers are going to add a piece before the playoffs. Oh, I think that's the bottom line. Two. Yeah, I think they're and, – and the Jazz could do it also, but I think the Lakers are definitely going to add at least one, if not two, and how much better will they be in the short term? Because everything the Jet or the Lakers do is for short-term uh, improvement. Because when you've got a 36-year-old, 
The future is now. Yeah, you're not trying to develop anything here. LeBron (laughs) has no time to develop. Not that he's uh, an an old man out the door because he still plays at a phenomenal level, but it is about winning immediately. So with that in mind, you are looking for immediate improvement because it is about today. So to them, age doesn't matter. And so I can see them uh, trading – whomever to get whomever without regard to oh well four years later this kid might be something and our guy might be out of the league so what well i think everyone saw when they made the trade with sacramento that they were setting something up i mean they were opening up a roster spot so something's got to happen to fill it i don't know if it'll be a trade deadline or a buyout but i assume that roster spot was opened up for a specific reason what trade did they make with sacramento uh they traded somebody off the end of the roster didn't they the Lakers? Clippers. Like I said, I expect the Clippers to make it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they traded their first-round draft pick from two years ago. Yes. It frees up a roster a spot, slot and then yeah. allowed Sacramento to use a trade exception that they hadn't used yet. So it's all set up for them to make a move, too. Uh, the only There's one player that I could possibly not see the Lakers trading, and that's this Horton Tucker kid who's a 20-year-old kid that they, they really like out of Iowa State, uh, Talon Horton Tucker. Uh, he's got an NBA body for only 24 years of age. He's like 6'4", 230, and talking to – I got one guy that I know who's tight with the Lakers, and he tells me they really like this kid's possibility. You know, he's just a pup at 20 years of age. And uh, so they could possibly they may, it, it would have to be something really a good more special for them to to try to get rid of him to get to want to get rid of him because they really like you're not you're seeing flash him you really got to watch the Lakers game the game to know about this youngster and I'm not watching them especially now but from somebody I know there telling me that they they really like his possibility as I say you look at him. And you can just look at the kid, and you know it's like Lou Dort when he was playing in college and is now with the Oklahoma City. You looked at him and wow. I mean, Scotty texted me that time when they played the, the Aggies played ASU and said, this kid's going to be something. Because you, and the first thing that jumps off the page at you is just his, his physical uh, appearance. Like, oh, okay, you know, Gordon, Gordon Hayward was a twig, right? We've documented that. <laughs> and how how much bigger he got. Well, this kid here, this Horton Tucker, already has the size. I mean, he can get stronger. Everybody can. But he's already compacted, and yeah, he's but- got the NBA body. So they really like him. So they probably don't move him. But I think that – and I've heard uh, – I'm talking to my guy yesterday – is like uh, that, yeah, even Schroeder, uh, Harold, guys they just acquired, if they can get better by tr- trading them and moving them – They've got no qualms about doing it. <laughs> There's no sentimentality at this point because uh, LeBron is at the end of the line. But I guess the point with uh, Horton Tucker that would be that Gordon was a seven-year project because of his body, but Lou Dort came into the league and was able to contribute right away. And that's really all LeBron needs around him is guys who can contribute. And so if he could contribute even next season, well, LeBron's still going to be chasing a title next season. Oh, yeah, that's not sure. that long a timeline. No, that's not the hey. You get Gordon Hayward. It's like, well, it's going to take a few years here to put the weight on his body and perfect the game. But 
if you can come in and D somebody up and you got the size to do it and maybe hit a few shots, well, that's all LeBron really needs. Yes, the only thing that's derailing him next season, I would think, would be injury. And you do see it with older players. It takes a little longer to come back. But I don't think his skill level is going to drop off the cliff by any stretch next season, not based on what we see so far. Uh, so with that in mind, yeah, absolutely. So maybe they don't move this youngster, but they are open to move anybody else outside of obviously Anthony Davis, uh, whoever it might be. So I am concerned that later today or in, in the coming uh, days if, with this buyout stuff, that they've had going on here that that could make them better for the stretch or for the postseason, not necessarily stretch run, but for the postseason. And with the two guys, they're going to be a tough out either way. If you just bring back those two with the roster intact, they're They're going going to be be good. Right. Yeah. Mark says uh, it does bug him that the Nets were not at full strength because the national media will be holding it against the Jazz for the next two months. Parentheses, not Utah's fault, though. Obviously, it's not their fault. I I think that, uh, yeah, I think they could have got a buzz off of beating the real Nets. For sure, they could have gotten a buzz. And it would have been fun because the games come at you one after another, and it's hard to remember. Uh, Like, we're going to have Joe on. He always comes on on Thursdays if they're not playing. And I wanted to talk to him. I really appreciated what he said after the game the other night where, you know, what do we want here? Uh, what, what's the goal? You know, do we want to get out of the first round? Do we want to play for the title? Well, then we got to play better and we got to do it right now. And I had to think, the point I'm making is, I had to think which game did he say that? Which loss? Because there's been a few losses here lately, and it's hard to remember one game to the next. And so we would have been able to remember this game if the Nets were at full strength. Now we're going to remember it, but the only reason we're going to remember it is for the <laughs> negative. Yeah. It's that they were gutted and they weren't close to their first full strength, and everybody knew it, and it was an absolute blowout to the point, as you say, ESPN's bringing on my old buddy, Adrian, who does have a potty mouth, I have to admit. And uh, <laughs> they were bringing him on to because the game was pointless. They had two screens, and they should have made Adrian the big screen and had the Jazz in the corner and the lower screen <laughs> because it was such a wipeout that, yeah, I'm flicking around. Uh, not that there was anything else on I wanted to watch at the time, but I was looking for stuff. <laughs> I did too. That <laughs> game went to commercial break. I'm like, what is on? Yeah, at halftime I was slow to come back, to be honest. Because it was obvious. I mean, we, we knew before the game. And it, but the good thing is that it was good to see the Jazz come out and approach it the way they should. This team sucks. Let's blow them off the floor. Let's run them off the court. And they did do that to the large extent. I mean, they had a little dink run, and Van Gundy was right. The Jazz lost concentration. This is the NBA. No sweat here. You're playing it in 72 games. It's a lot of games. And so – you're out the door, maybe uh, you checked out mentally, and then you call a timeout and you regroup, and then you, you smoke them, right? And so there you go on that. Uh, but at least from that, from the Jazz perspective, they did spank them the way you're supposed to. And a couple of guys who've been shooting two things, Joe and Clarkson weren't hitting as much, so what? I don't care. 
and Bogdanovich did hit, which I do care about because he's got to start to make some shots. And he came out yesterday and said, very pointed, this is the worst shooting slump of my career. I appreciate his honesty. Don't try to sugarcoat it. Acknowledge it, because we all know it's true, so don't try to say stuff that is just bogus. And he didn't. He acknowledged it. And then he made some shots. I don't care who they're against. A wide-open three-pointer is a wide-open three-pointer. Yeah, exactly. So let's – and you're paid to make those shots. That's why you're primarily in this league. That's primarily why they acquired you. And he did. What was he, five of eight? Five of eight from the floor, four of six from the three-point line. Yeah. And he was four of five at the free-throw line. So he shot it well. Although yeah. after the game he complained. He says, I can't start slow. I got to hit – the first open shot I get, I got to hit it. I can't start at 0 for 2 or 0 for 3. All right, I appreciate that sentimentality. Try to play at a high level at all times. Great. I, I do too. Probably not going to happen, but at it's the end of, to say yeah. at, at the end of the day, if you're five of eight and four of six, well. Wouldn't it be at the end of the game, though? Yeah. Should we, just, just, should we eliminate end of day? And when the sports people are saying it, shouldn't it be at the end of the game? Yeah, but it is what it is. Oh, nice. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> cliche. That was very like much it. a 2008 cliche. And we will look back at 2021 at the end of the day. And in 2025, it'll be something else. That's what we know as a compound cliche. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we got a few more people here. Uh, Tanner says... He's not upset. He's just, just rack up the wins any way possible. Secure the one seed. Survival of the fittest in the playoffs. Uh, the West does look like six or uh, seven good teams, assuming health. So if you can get one, get the eight seed. The seven and eight will have played more games and won't have the time off and presumably aren't as good. So Tanner just wants the top spot. I think they're going to get the top spot. Uh, I wonder, though, if they'll do try to maneuver to make sure they're not in the Lakers' second-round bracket. That will be interesting to see. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Bowler's coming up in 15 minutes. Joe Ingles in a little less than an hour, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Have we ever talked to John on the air? No, no, and I've got questions. Is he there? I'm here. Hey, John, how are hey, you? Hey, John. I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, yeah. John, while we have you. No, no. We've had a, uh-huh. a, a long back and forth about a pitchfork incident. I want to know the details of my buddy here and your brother running a pitchfork through you. <laughs> we were out working and, you know, cleaning our ends or whatever you want to call it. And uh, he thought that he was like King Triton and he uh, threw that pitchfork and uh, oh! that is true enough. He just right on the mark and put it right underneath the kneecap. Did you throw a trident? Yeah, I killed a guy with a trident. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision, giving you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call them at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. All right, we're going old school, PK. 855-340-ZONE is the phone number. We don't give it out that often anymore. We've kind of evolved away from that. But Alan wants to call in and share an idea with us. Alan, what have you got? And this is why we've evolved hey, away from there's, it. There's nothing to do here. Um, so can Salt Lake and Utah shut off all the lights 
when visiting teams are here for the playoffs. Make it seem dark. Make it seem really bad. Because, you know, there's nothing to do here. So we're going to beat them through boredom? Beat them through boredom. We're going to make them stay in the room and just be so bored. <laughs> well, they might have to Give stay in the some... room anyway. <laughs> they might have to. Yeah. But it'd be kind of nice if everything around them was just so dark. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. There it is, darkness. Uh, as far as the staying in the room thing, I asked uh, Quinn Snyder last night since we saw Ilya Silva play four or five minutes or whatever it was. You know, he's been with the team even though he hasn't played much. And, you know, if, if you just got an idea to, to know him, to have a sense of who he is and what he can do and, you know, at least watch film with him and talk with him. And Quinn was like, you know, when we're on the road, we can't really get together. You know, it goes back to what Joe has said. There are so many rules. So, yeah, I would assume that in the playoffs, all they're going to do is come and sit in their room. So you really only need to shut out the lights that are in view of the room's window. That's it. They're not supposed to be out on the town, and I think they've all got hall monitors now because there's too much money at stake to have an outbreak and have these games canceled. What's your job? I'm a hall monitor. I'm a hall monitor. For, for an NBA no, there team. is. There's an enforcer or yeah, whatever. I know. We'll, I know. I just Joe's referenced it. What do you do for before. your job? Oh yeah, I know who it is. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, a, a retired uh, female cop. And uh, just a funny idea that they're a hall monitor. Yeah, Yeah, that's their job because everyone's on the same floor now, I believe. And this lady's job is to make sure nobody calls. Yeah, nobody's coming and nobody's going. Right. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And somebody explained it to me in detail. And now for the life of me, I can't freaking remember. Uh, But, yeah, this person uh, and, and it's an intriguing. She travels with them, obviously. And this is the their job, her job, and and absolutely they're, and obviously the Jazz must be doing a good job. I don't know if it's just happenstance or circumstance that you're not getting it, uh, but uh, it seems uh, at least on the surface, from you know a, a way outside distance that I am at, that they are uh, adhering to everything the way they're supposed to be. So, uh, and let, let's keep it going here and get rid of or at least minimize this thing as much as possible in the coming days, weeks, and months for sure, and obviously years. Everybody wants that. And uh, so that's the thing, yeah. But I, I, to me, though, I wonder if that, if that increases a level of concentration, rather decreases, because you, you just got to focus on ball. What else are you going to do? <laughs> and uh, well, we'll find out when we get to the playoffs how that will be. And uh, Van Gundy was making a good point last night where he's talking about how uh, that he feels like the Jazz home court is as good as any home court in the league in terms of giving the team an advantage and a boost. Uh, and it really, man, it's just nothing like it uh, and that we have in our community. Even the great football crowds that we have, particularly obviously at BYU and Utah, uh, being out on that plaza doing pregame radio, and you could just people are coming. The weather's nicer, and man, you could just feel energy. And then when you go in, when the clock gets down to about two minutes, the surge in the crowd. They bring out that huge flag that goes up on the bench side, all the way up uh, from the courts to the lower bowl. Practically, everybody is so jacked for the game, man. 
it's really something. It's like the the concert of the, your lifetime, <laughs> and when they shut out the when the lights go off, you know what I mean. You've been in a concert. They got the house lights on. Well, once they turn, and usually hardly any concert ever starts on time. So you're like, can we get on with this? Particularly if it's a weeknight and you got to go to work the next day. And then when they shut the house lights. Uh, man, everyone just gets so excited because whatever group you went to see, that means they're in the process of uh, being backstage and coming on stage, and we've all experienced that. So it would be cool at this point. Uh, the Jazz allows them f- allowing 5,000 in. Is that what it is now? Yeah, it's uh, about the number. Yeah, and will they increase it, and how much will they increase it? And it would be awesome if they can increase it to max because, yeah, it's really, really a fun time. And it looks like now, for sure, that first game is going to be right here in our arena. And the place is going to be electric, as much as it could possibly be. I think they've got plans. I don't know what. There's probably stuff that has to trigger that, and they got to get a bunch of people to sign off from the NBA to the county health. I mean, they're not just randomly doing this stuff. No, not at all. Uh, but the, there's a plan, I think, to do 10000 at some point. And I don't even I don't know what point that is. I don't even know if they know. It may be more contingent on getting other people to sign off. And I know one thing that everybody is tracking is because um, I talked to somebody about this in the jazz organization that everybody is tracking what percentage of your adult population gets vaccinated. Like when everybody you get the vaccine, wants to know that. Do you get number. a card. You do. Did, did I got you something. I, I, I actually got the shot, the first shot yesterday. I got my first shot. And yeah, there's a little card, and uh, yeah. It's got the date on the back of it of when you can get your second. And is it like an ID card? Uh, it, no. Is, is it a form of proof that you've had the shot? No, and I actually asked about that, and uh, I was told that uh, it looks like it could be too easily reproduced and that the, that form of proof will have to be something else other than that card. You know, they've talked about for international travel, this doesn't have anything to do with the NBA. This is more just about the international travel industry and countries and their borders. Because you're going to Paris next week, right? I, I'm not actually going to oh. Paris next week. I, I thought that's what it was. No, wrong city. <laughs> wrong city with a P on the wrong continent. Oh, you're going to Patagonia? In nice, Uruguay? good pull, PK geography for five hundred. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> Give me another continent with the letter P. Well, enjoy Paraguay. Okay, that's good. That's that's decent. I, I was more impressed by Patagonia. I'll be, I'll be honest, that was more that was more impressive. You're going to Panama? Panama. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Portland. Portland, drivable. You're going to Poland? Portland. Drop some letters there. (laughs) Portland, Maine. Sweet. That's a long drive. I have never been to Maine. That's one of the 13 states I still need to cross off. But you kind of like the music? Uh, Yeah, whatever the music is in Maine, I'm sure I'd be up for it. It's rap. Bangor, Maine. Hello. (laughs) May he rest in peace. DJ and PK. When we come back, Craig Bolerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. Stay with us. DJ PK brought to you in part by Zero Res. Dirt, dust, dander, and allergens. No match for Zero Res carpet cleaning. Want the contaminants gone? Call Zero Res. Right now, just $33 per room to get your carpets Zero Res clean. But minimums apply. Call them at 801-288-9376 or schedule online. Zero Res carpet cleaning. DJ PK, we are joined now by Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. Bowler, good morning. Hey, guys. 
BK, I was hoping that you would maybe sing me into learning to fly. <laughs> That's a good tune. I like the acoustic guitar. Learning well, to fly. There you go. There you go. <laughs> What's going on? Well, I can't discuss anything with you about the Brooklyn game because I couldn't take it serious. I thought that yeah, Harden yeah. was going to have limited minutes or not play because he went 40 in Portland, and sure enough, it turns out he doesn't play after that, that 40 minutes. So I don't want to talk to you anything about that game. There's not really anything to learn from that game. But I am curious, calling every game, even though you're not on the road with the team this year, I'm still curious if – you think they just they've won three games the way the schedule has set up, you know, the teams haven't been that great. I mean, Brooklyn's got a great record and they were 16 and 2 in their last 18, but that wasn't really Brooklyn. It wasn't even a portion of Brooklyn. So, setting all that aside, can you tell by watching the games the way the guys are carrying themselves and the Zoom calls that you do with them, you observe some we can see you in the corner when we talk to Quinn pregame. You're kind of observing, you know, does Quinn have any points to make? It's a chance for you to pick up one more you know, one more talking point in case there's a blowout. Yeah, like, yeah. Like the Brooklyn game. And so like I'm just curious game. if you're getting a vibe, have they turned the corner? Because Bogey got pretty fired up in the post game about, you displayed a little emotion like, hey, our schedule is real tough. We didn't play great, but we didn't play that bad. you got to factor the schedule in. And so I'm just curious if you think the Jazz really are in a good place back on track right now. You know, I think body language tells me a lot, which only I can read off Zoom and on the floor uh, like like you two. Uh, you know, it, it's good to see them live, actually. And what I mean by that is, you know, we call games remotely for road games. So I have not had a lot of inner personal, and I haven't had any personal interchange, but to see them is 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 big for me as a broadcaster because you can start to kind of, you know, reformulate how they look, how they're reacting to one another in a, in a position of live, a live game situation. So, you know, I would think that they've improved. I think defensively, you're right, the schedule uh, has leaned back in their, in their favor, especially now 11 of 14, including last night at home. Um but I think they're, they work through things. I think defensively, we saw better things. Road, the road is difficult, as we all know. And to pick up back-to-back road wins in this league is a good thing. And I think a positive thing. You know, and going back to last night, I'm with you. I was disappointed for the fans that not even one of the so-called big three uh, of the Brooklyn Nets couldn't answer the bell which was, by the way, a nationally televised game as well, on, as we call it, on a side-by-side with us and ESPN. You make a good point, DJ. 40 for Harden, but he couldn't play because of a sore neck. I don't, I don't get it, but I'm not Harden. We know KD's got an issue, and Kyrie decided to stay back for personal matters. And then Blake Griffin didn't play, uh, protecting a knee that's been an issue for him uh, most of the last three years. So... Yeah, I think the Jazz for me last night, uh, DJ, was that they did not play down to the level of the second-level players of the Nets, and they continued to be aggressive throughout the game and to win by 30. It wasn't a four or five-point, you know, wow, we barely squeezed it out. So I think the 30-point win 
gives a little bit more credence to how the Jazz played last night, at least from my observation. Yeah, because we saw against Houston that first game after the break, you know, Houston's a watered-down team, too, and they let them hang around, had a run, blah, 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 and obviously against the Nets it didn't happen, and so they blew them off the floor, so that's the positive sign. But things are going so well for this team, like we're creating stress points because we're, <laughs> yeah. we're, so, you know, we're, we're coming up with stuff to worry about. And so Bogdanovich, very pointed in his comments, this is the worst shooting slump that I've had since I've been in the league, and a guy's a proven uh, shooter, obviously, from the field, from distance, you know, and really anywhere, and it's not getting it done. So we're concerned about that. Well, then we see, okay, he comes out and shoots the ball well. But now we got Jordan Clarkson hasn't been shooting the ball well. So our stress point, is it is it turning from Bogdanovich to Clarkson? And, and Joe, all of a sudden, he went one for seven. But we were discussing earlier, well, if he shoots 28 uh, threes in any 28 shot stretch and makes 19 of them would be ecstatic so should we really get alarmed with joe and really are these stress points stuff that we're creating because we've got to have something to worry about because that's just the sure. nature of life yeah. or do we step back and say well come on man uh, these guys are proven commodities so if one or two guys all two guys are off well then three or four guys are going to be on and there's nothing to worry about where do you stand on that yeah pk uh, wise you are yoda uh, just, I think it was a Yoda comment. Uh, you know, I, I think we're seeing something new, by the way, for the Jazz and for Jazz fans, and that is, um, I'll use a big word, a plethora of threes. I Ooh, mean, nice. every night. Thank you. I mean, last night, I mean, you're putting, you hit 23. Help me out. I don't, I'm driving, so. Yeah, it's 23. 40, yeah, 23 of how many, 43? Or was it 50. I don't think it got to 50, uh, but hold on. I'll have it for you in a second. Go ahead with your bigger point, and we can but, back for that. But the point is that I think that we're seeing so many three-point attempts on a given night, which which Jazz fans have never seen, that the three-point shot is so much more right in front of our face, PK, to your point, is that there are going to be nights that someone's hot, like George Niang last night, Okay. He picks up the slack where he hadn't scored in two straight, and he comes on and looks like you know a Joe Ingles uh, in in the way that he shot the ball and hit hit his what four threes. He was five. So, he was five of eight, and so was Donovan. The team was so five. Yeah, the team was twenty three of fifty five for forty two percent. So insane. Yeah. Fifty five threes that were taken last night. So my point is, is I believe that that just brings those numbers, PK, to your point, to the forefront even more on a given night, every night. Who's got the hot hand? It may not be Clarkson for three or four, and it may not be Joe now for one or two. But, you know, all of a sudden, George Niang knocks down five. And, and, and you know, and the way that Conley and Donovan played in the first half last night uh, kind of just overshadows maybe a, a, a couple of players with a, uh, with a downslide. But then they recover. And that's the way this team kind of works. When you have that many sharpshooters, not everyone's going to be on. But when they are, they're going to set NBA or franchise records for 28 makes. And they're probably not far away from knocking down 30 in a game. So I think that's kind of where we are, where we worry when one or two players seem to be off, but yet someone else picks it up, and you still knock down 23 threes last night. It's an amazing thing how many – 
how many of the players, how many jazz players actually have the ability to go off from three on a given night. So I remember with the statues, and everything has to be compared to them because they went to the finals twice and no other team has and uh, in jazz history has, and that's what everyone wants this team to do is to be back there fighting for that championship again. And they were able to go on hot streaks after the All-Star break and close out a 30- or 35-game stretch with a phenomenal record. Do you think this team is up for that? Do you think there needs to be inevitably one more storm? There's 29 games to go. Basically, can they sprint to the finish here? Or you think, hey, there's going to be a hiccup, and whether that's okay or not, we'll decide when we see the hiccup and why it happens and what it looks like. Well, there's always hiccups, but I think the, the schedule, I think the Jazz maybe got through the most difficult stretch of a month where you had the, the five, the four games prior to the All-Star game, then you had the All-Star break, and then you had the one game at home, and then you go back out on five. And so to me, one home game in a month is, is ridiculous. But welcome to the NBA of what is the COVID season of 72 games. So... I think the schedule sets up for the Jazz to take advantage of having the opportunity to have another run, and they should, uh, if they stay healthy. Right now, this team has been remarkably healthy. They've had the hamstring. They had the concussion protocol for, for Donovan. Uh, you know, Rudy looked a little, you know, for a minute last night, came down on his leg a little wrong. We'll see how that goes. But um, I think with the 11 of 14 at home, it's set up the best home team in the NBA. I mean, they've won 17 consecutive games at Vivint Arena, and I don't know if that's going to change. And you know what that does? It shadows what Stockton and Malone were able to do during those championship games, championship title runs, because they dominated teams at home. And there was a feeling when you walked in, then Delta Center, you had no way. You just wanted to survive and get out. And I kind of feel like that's building back to where that was. And when that happens, obviously you can start talking about making a drive to the Western Conference uh, Finals. But to your point, there's still a lot of basketball to be played. Look, LeBron's down right now. How long is he on? But I, we were talking last night. I don't know. There's about three teams in this league that don't care what position they are in the playoffs. Probably the Brooklyn Nets would be one. The Lakers and the Clippers would be another two teams that I would think could care less where they end up in the seedings. But for the Jazz, I think it is important to have that home court advantage and the number one seed because it just plays better into their hands, a team learning how to really take it to the next level. But we'll wait and see. But I think right now, if the Jazz want to make their run, the schedule is set up to help them do that. My thought for you, man, since we're, we're worrying about stuff that really doesn't matter that much, are these lack of 10 games that they're going to play, is it going to cost the Jazz the best all-time record in franchise history? Well, I guess we'll asterisk uh, it, PK, <laughs> right? I love those asterisk conversations. Well, if, if they had played 82, they wouldn't have, or they would have. <laughs> yeah, I, I say I've kind of learned through Oklahoma City and you know having the season postponed last year in a bubble. And now 72 games. I'm just glad there's, you know, play. And I just, I think I've learned that I'm just glad we get games, you know, on an every other night basis. 82, great. Probably for the players and the way they're traveling and the way these games are packed together pretty tight. 
you know, we've got a back-to-back coming up uh, tomorrow, Friday, Saturday against Memphis. It's like a playoff series. They're playing the Grizzlies. How about that? Three times in six days. I mean, that just doesn't happen during the regular season. So um, we'll see what they learn. PK, I, I wouldn't be surprised what comes out of the COVID situation here is that teams do in the future play little mini-series on back-to-backs when they travel, like into L.A. later in April. You play the Lakers twice. You go to Phoenix. Uh, maybe you go to Denver and stay for three days and play two games down the road. I wouldn't be surprised because it cuts down on travel and it still gives players more time to rest. But, again, that'll be something Adam Silver and the NBA will, will have to figure out. But maybe not a bad thing coming out of what has been a really difficult uh, a difficult season and a half so far. Well, uh, we were actually we've been talking about that, and we are on the same page with you that of all the things that they've adapted because of this last crazy year we've gone through, that that's one of the things that looks like it has a good chance to stick. Yeah. I think a lot of people yeah. are in favor of that, so that one probably will stick. Uh, and then, as far as the best record in franchise history, uh, sixty-four wins. The Statues won seventy-eight percent of their games on their way to the. Uh, Championship, uh, the finals against the Bulls. And so uh, the 74.4, right now, they, they'd have to pick up the pace to get there if it were an 82-game yes. season. So right, maybe right. we won't have to put an asterisk next to it. That's a pretty high bar. Uh, sure. But but if they have that great finish over the final 29 games, maybe it'll become an issue. As PK says, that's something we can worry about that doesn't really matter. But it'll give us something to talk about, and we'll worry about it anyway. Although I don't think it matters. Let's give us something <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> A little mystery to figure out. (laughs) (laughs) Underrated song. Totally underrated song. Underrated. Underrated. (laughs) Hey, no, real quick, just if you look at the last week of the regular season, the one thing that is different that sticks out to me, uh, and again, it's, it's the teams that are already played themselves out of the playoffs. Usually, I, you know, we would have, oh, say, a Denver back in the day with Harden, and, uh, it would be, uh, you know, Houston or Oklahoma City, even though it, there are the Thunder, I believe, the last game of the season. Uh, there aren't games of magnitude, and that is going to be interesting as well to see how the Jazz finish. They've never been one to rest players, and I just wonder how that will play out as well. Just a, just a, something to, to think about, get it, think about down the stretch. Bowler, you are Joe Ingles' warm-up act. Job well done. We're all warmed up. We're ready for Joe coming up next. We'll tell him you tell say hello. Joe, tell Joe, actually, I miss the guy. Uh, all I see is his, uh, his hot hand and his great smirk uh, <laughs> when he looks back at uh, his opponent and gives him that little Aussie smile. But, uh, yeah, miss our chats. After, and I know he really enjoys having the media around uh, after shoot-arounds, but those are fun times. But uh, tell Joe to keep on jingling, okay? All right, we'll do that. Thanks, Bowler. Thanks, guys. All right, Joe Ingles is coming up next. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. NBA trade deadline coming up this afternoon, 1 o'clock Mountain Time. You see it listed nationally as 3 in the East. Uh, We got a trade this morning, PK. Ah, sweet. Woj and Shams are saying the Cavaliers are finalizing a deal to send JaVale McGee to the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets bolstering themselves. The well-traveled veteran JaVale McGee. He came into the league back in 2008. This is a really good run for him. We always talk about 10 years as a good run. 
this will be uh, depends how you count it. He's been on seven teams. This will be his eighth, but he's doubling back. This is the first time he's gone back to a franchise he's been with. He was with the Nuggets from 2012 to 2015. So, I'd rather have him be on Denver than uh, the Lakers because the Lakers have a glaring need. Denver doesn't have a glaring need. You're going to play Jokic as much as you could possibly play him. So from the Jazz perspective, I'd rather have McGee with Denver than the Lakers. All right, JaVale McGee on the move. DeLon Wright, the former Ute, was traded last night. Detroit moving him to Sacramento. What else will happen in the next uh, you know, five hours-ish, four and a half hours now, I guess? Uh, we will get to some of that with Joe Ingles. He is going to join us next. Stay with us. The Big Show, the Big Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Have I ever told you about the time Donald Sterling invited me to go watch a game with him to talk about what I'd written about and to dinner and his front row seat? He liked to be seen with the stars. He speaks French in Russian. He once high-fived Gandhi after hitting a home run. He invented the taco salad with Juice Newton. He is Gordon Monson, the most interesting man in the world. Oh, that was incredible. Is that our guy, Ben? That was Ben. That's oh, our Rudovan guy. man. The taco well, salad once my right. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Stay interesting, my friends. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles is going to join us here momentarily. Jazz are coming off a win against the uh, Brooklyn Nets, 118-88. to And the Suns fell to Orlando. So the Jazz are now three games up on the second-place Suns and four up on the Clippers. Uh, like the Jazz, who have to play Memphis back-to-back here Friday and Saturday. The Clippers are playing the Spurs back-to-back. They beat them last night, and they will play them again tonight. Uh, gut instinct, PK. Don't overthink it. Just go with your gut instinct. Are we going to have much drama down the stretch in this race? Is it going to feel like a pennant race with tension? Are we going to get a little separation? You're going to look at the schedule and figure out, well, they're probably going to win 7 out of 10, and that's going to do it. I don't think there's going to be as much tension because everybody goes to the playoffs. We're in baseball. That could be different because I think, as Craig Bolajek just said, the Lakers and Clippers don't really care where they're slotted. Yeah. All right, it is time to welcome in Joe Ingalls. The Joe Ingalls Show with DJ and PK is brought to you by Cypress Credit Union. As the longest-serving credit union in Utah, Cypress Credit Union is here to help with all your financial needs. Cypress Credit Union, your future is our future. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe, and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic... And certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe to the cop, slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. (laughs) With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Time to welcome in Joe Ingles. Joe, good morning. Good morning. (laughs) That was nice. So we're all curious after watching you guys dismantle uh, the Brooklyn Nets, or at least the portion of the Nets that played in that game. When you hear all those guys are out, does it lose a little of the edge because you're not going to get to go against some of the best players and the biggest names in the NBA? Or do you have a little conversation with, hey, the guys, like, hey, 
We can't have what happened with the Rockets happen again. We gotta we gotta go get this right from the start. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously in the morning we kind of assumed that Harden would be playing. Um, Blake, we probably kind of knew on a back to back, but with I think Harden was questionable the night before as well, so we assumed that kind of he would play. So we actually did a fair bit of prep um, for him, obviously being and playing the way he's playing this year. It's, Obviously, smart that we were preparing for a guy like that, but um, yeah, obviously we. I mean, you don't find out till pretty kind of pretty close to the game when the kind of final team gets put in. So, um, I mean, it, it, it's obviously it was nice to win and whatever, but it's it is frustrating. I mean, you want to see. Obviously, they they've got some guys with some pretty serious injuries as well, but but uh, James is obviously not well enough to go, but obviously we would have liked him to, if he could have, just uh, just uh, have, a, have a good matchup, prepare against someone. Like I said, we had a kind of a game plan that would have been a good time for us to try and execute something, and um, I think once he was out of the game, it goes a little bit more to like kind of do what we do, do what we normally do, um, play how, how we normally play, obviously with a, like I said, like with a guy like James, you got to game plan a little bit more and do some different things and try and make it as tough as you can on him. So, um, the, it, I mean, it never came up about from the coaches. It never came up about Houston, but we we did talk at halftime, um, just the players, just so we didn't want obviously want that to happen again, and that we need to kind of keep our our foot on the pedal and um, just keep playing the the way we play. Um, like I said, it was more of a game of us executing defensively, kind of how we normally do, and then obviously offensively, um, a good chance for us to work on our offense of switching, of a team switching one through five, and uh, I think we'll see that more as we go on, and then obviously in the playoffs that happens a lot, so it was a good opportunity for that, um, and obviously we, we came out with a good win, got the, the young guys in there a little bit and stuff as well, so it was good. So there was a stretch earlier this month, Joe, as you know, your team had lost four out of six. And after the fourth loss, you went in the post game and uh, you said, I'm paraphrasing, but I'm pretty close. What do we want here? Do we want to get out of the first round? Do we want to compete to win a title? And it seemed like that was a little bit of a moment of, a, of reckoning with the team. Do you think that, that that was something that really everybody took to heart? Because I thought it was a very pointed message that needed to be said. Um, I guarantee you they didn't read my, uh, my watch my press conference, but um, I mean it was a it was a feeling obviously that we had regardless. I think everyone kind of um, regardless of who went to media around that time, I, I think it was it was probably a very similar feeling. I think we just um, not that we had taken the foot off a little bit, but we we just weren't playing well, and we'd had times in that streak or when we were winning all those games that even when we weren't playing well, we were figuring things out. And some of those games, we just weren't, we weren't adjusting. We weren't offensively playing the way we wanted to play. We weren't getting stops like we, we were defensively. We were giving up offensive rebounds. I'm sure, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'm sure there was a couple of those games that we had a, a high number of turnovers. Um, and, and it's just, I guess the, my kind of statement on that part from that night would have been in regards of like, we just, these are the little things that we like. We've talked about a lot. These are the little things we've recognised that are 
like when we do turn the ball over, we give up offensive rebounds, we're not doing the little things and, and the stuff that has made us such a good team, it, it is clear that we can take a few levels down and, and not play well at all. And then we're at kind of the mercy of whoever we play. Like we just, we put ourselves in positions that we don't need to put ourselves in. And um, I think everybody feels that. And like we've all played long enough, coaches of coach, like you can feel that there's times in the schedule or whatever it is that you're going to be tired. Like there's, there's just no way around it. There's, there's things like that that are just going to be the way it is. But um, there's a lot of stuff too, regardless of how we feel out there, that we can still, we feel like we can still control. So, um, yeah, I think just a few of those things were slipping in a little bit. And, and I mean, it's the truth, really. Like, I, I think we've we've shown, obviously, we're, we're a playoff team, not just this year, but, but in the past as well. And um, we've had first-round exits basically every time. And I think we got swept a couple of times in the second round or maybe won a game. Um, so it's kind of like draw that line in the sand. Like, do we want to keep doing that or do we do we want to take that next step and that push forward and um, we we realise I think every night like we're going to get a lot of teams best shots so we do have to be ready uh, but a team like last night like like you said before with the Houston like there's young guys hungry guys some guys playing for jobs some guys trying to keep their spot in the rotation like whatever it is but same as that Houston situation like they play really hard like that's just a that's one thing I think regardless if you're a new guy to the team and you don't know the system, offense, defense, you don't know the guys, um, you, you can play hard. And um, I think in the Houston game, we got kind of, we got pushed around a little bit and, and um, at times for sure, they just were, were playing harder than us. So uh, I don't think it might've been a, a little stretch or two in that game, but it was very short and we were able to capitalize on it. And like I said, just get a good win and, and obviously build on that for, for now tomorrow night. So is Mike Conley going to get all fired up to play the Grizzlies here three times in less than a week, or it's the second year now and it was a relatively amicable parting? Everybody, I think, kind of realized where things were trending. So it won't be that big a deal. How does this play out for him? Um, I don't know if you guys have seen Mike emotional really at all, really. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> um, that's probably why he's actually so kind of good at what he does. He, he stays kind of in the moment, doesn't a 10-0 run or a 0-10 to 10 run, he, he stays pretty kind of cool-headed. And um, there's been a couple of times he's... I think there was one time last year after the injuries and stuff like that, and he, and he had a good start, like first quarter that he got pretty pumped up one time. But um, no, he, he'll be himself. He like I mean, it was, it was a very amicable party. It wasn't kind of him forcing him out and they weren't forcing him out like either way so um, they obviously uh, I think they felt they knew who they were going to draft and well, they just got rid of basically their whole team I think Mike was the last one out of that group Mark went a few months before that and Mike was kind of the last one till the end of the year so he'll uh, he'll, he'll be ready uh, I think one big difference to last year is just his health he's, he's obviously 100% healthy this year where last year battling kind of that hamstring for, for a lot of the year. So um, being new to our system and our team and that throw the hamstring in there, I think it was it was obviously a bit of a tough year for him. And obviously we've 
we all we all knew, regardless if you were a jazz fan or a Memphis fan or a media member, whoever it was, you, we all knew who the real real Mike was, and um, we've obviously got a hell of a Mike right now. So um, yeah, it'll be fun. I'm sure he'll be excited to play him. He gets to match up with his kind of the guy who I don't want to say replace because that sounds like like he. he he held that franchise pretty pretty strongly together for, for 12 years, but the guy who's taken over the point guard now, and so it'll be a, be a good game. They're, a, again, a young team that are, are, they play extremely hard. They, they're, they're playing well and um, be a, a good challenge for us for two nights in a row. I'm wondering, Joe, if you can give us a little behind-the-scenes look regarding Alex Jensen. If he were to leave to take the Utah job, what would that mean for the team? A lot of stuff we don't see, but that you do see. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't even know if he's been into the or if he's getting... I'm, I'm assuming he is because he's a youth and he's obviously a hell of a coach. So I would assume that they would be throwing everything they can at him to get him, to be honest. Um, yeah. I don't know how that plays out. Um, I've never been in a situation like this or if it was to happen like that. Um, obviously, just recently, Minnesota hired a head coach from another team and I'm not sure what Toronto did with who they replied. I'm not sure where. I'm sure I'm assuming he was on the front of the bench if he was getting a head coaching position. Um, so I'm not sure what they did with that. Um, honestly, I, I don't know what would happen. Um, I And this is like me completely guessing. I would be surprised if coach was going to bring someone in right away unless it was someone that was very familiar with, with him and our and our team, um, I think it's hard to bring someone in at like whatever point three quarters of the way through. Um, on the flip side, I, I mean, selfishly, I hope AJ doesn't leave just because he's a he, he is a has been a big part of what we've done over seven years. He's been with Quinn um, from the start, um, and yeah, he's been a he's been a big part of it. I I worked out with him my first year. Um, he, he's he obviously works Rudy out. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that um, he's a, a big part of with our group. So obviously, if he if he does get it or he takes it or whatever the situation is, we'd, we'd be obviously extremely happy for him. It's a good job he gets to coach the team that he played for and that he the school he went to. Um, gets to stay at home. He doesn't have to move. I'm sure that's a positive. If uh, if that's yeah. something, obviously the head coaching thing is something he's looking to do. Um, I mean, honestly, like, I don't know if, I don't know, I'm assuming that helps too with NBA head coaching. If you've been a college head coach for two, five, eight years, whatever it is, I'm sure he could always come back to the NBA. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough one to answer because I've, I've never been, I don't even know, I mean, I'm sure the Jazz have probably never been in this situation. So, um, obviously they would... I'd be surprised. I don't think they would ever hold anyone back from um, something that they wanted to do, player or coach or staff member um, or front office or ticket sales or whatever role you've got. I don't think they would ever hold someone back from wanting to move or do something better or have a change. So we'll obviously we'll have to see how it plays out a little bit. Um, we have joked with him a little bit that he's, if he did get it, if he's going to take like half our staff with him or try, <laughs> try and... Uh, I asked him if I could go. On, I might be able to play for him. I've still got four years of eligibility, so I might go play. Um, but now, obviously, 
if, if that's something he wants to do and he gets his job, then obviously we'll be we'll be supportive of him and we'll figure it out um, when that time comes. So you worked out with him for one year, and he has a great reputation in player development. And I'm curious if you can look back and and say, you know, what did he help you do, either physically or mentally? How how did he talk to you one on one, off to the side at practices and games or in film sessions? What's what's his magic? What does he do in those situations that makes him so good? Because if he wasn't good, uh, let's be honest, they had high hopes for Rudy, and they wouldn't let him work with Rudy for so long if he wasn't so good. So, what does he yeah, do? For sure. Um, I, I think one of his best attributes, and it, like it, it probably sounds a little bit weird, but he's so kind of cool and calm in the situations that, like in a in a, a bad run or we're having a about streaky games or whatever it is, he's always very level-headed with, um, I guess, like a wider outlook than... There's obviously things that we have to would have to do and change and do this A, B, and C, but um, very kind of cool, calm, and collected in, in situations like that. Um, with me personally, I, I, I think for me, it was a, probably a really good fit my first year. He had played in Europe, where I'd just obviously come from, um, again, that like I said, his personality and stuff was was like I still get along with him very well now. Um, he probably was super disappointed that he had to work out with me my first year because I was just a <laughs> nobody that was <laughs> was uh, was coming in. So he was probably a man. But um, I mean, honestly, that first year, I, I actually said it to Coach the other day. I was, we were it was we were talking about something completely different, but. Um, I was talking to Coach about my first couple of years, and I remember what Coach had told me, that if I wanted to play in my first couple of years, that I had to play defense and I had to sprint to the corner and shoot threes when I was open. And um, obviously, AJ knew that. Alex knew that. And so he, like, he was kind of, I guess, the beginning of me kind of not changing my shot, but becoming a NBA-caliber three-point shooter. And we we are, we we. I probably again probably annoyed him because I wanted to shoot every day before or after practice or whatever it was, and um, yeah, that's where I, I first started kind of shooting. So um, he obviously helped me that first year to, even though I didn't shoot much, get build my confidence to shoot in the NBA, and then obviously to build on to where I am now. So um, yeah, I mean, I think he would be if he was to take the job or get the job. I think he would do a hell of a job. I think he. Being here too, being with Quinn and, and the, the, the stuff that they all do as a group, but the, the, the input that he puts in, I think he would he would know how to... He'd be walking into a job very confident and comfortable with, with how he wants to play and what he wanted to do. And um, obviously a very, very different style of, of game and all that, but um, him obviously playing in, in college, I'm sure he still watches it. He's coached in the G League. Um, and did a really good job there. So I think you'd be very comfortable and, and obviously confident to to walk into that job and um, and be confident he's going to do well. So speaking of shooting, Joe, they said you had the best three-game stretch of three-point shooting, 18 of 22. What the freak, Joe, did you think, man? I am going to Vegas. I'm so hot. I can't lose or miss. <laughs> I was- I don't know what I was thinking. I was just playing basketball. And then I I said to Renee a couple of days ago, I said, 
there's been way too much talk about this and people are talking about this 50% and all this junk. I said, watch me stink it up for the next week or two now because everyone's... <laughs> and look what happened. I stunk it up. So oh, yeah. everyone just shut up and worry about your own lives and leave me alone <laughs> and talk about Donovan and Rudy. They get paid bloody $200 million. So go talk about them. And leave, me, leave me alone. I thought you were going to swear there, Joe. Leave me the bleep I, alone. I, you edited yourself. I, I did. I thought so. I, uh, I held myself quite very well, man. Uh, so the funny thing is, I think there are other... You don't want people talking about you. I think there are other people who don't want you talking to them. I couldn't help but notice when you were uh, knocking down four in a row to start the Chicago game, you had a little something to say to the Bulls bench. Did you start that, or were they actually chirping at you? Because I wouldn't chirp at you if I were them. I would pick on somebody else. How did that get going? <laughs> no, I actually... Um, I'd gone up to Billy at some point of their game, um, after a timeout and just said congrats on the new job and I'd made a three up to that point and he he, asked, he commented something about the shooting or whatever or shooting well and I said to him I'd right now I'd rather take a, I'd take a three over a layup at the moment at this point of how I'm feeling um, and not long after that um, I saw the ball coming right in front of their bench and knew I was obviously going to shoot it and um, I just knew at the, at the point of the game, I think they called a timeout right after that, and it was right at the point where I was like, if I make this, they're going to call a timeout. And, um, so it was that, I, I think I just kind of looked at him. It was nothing uh, malicious or anything, but we joked a couple of times about it and stuff like that. And um, he'd, he'd laughed or something about them not wanting to give me threes, and I had four in like the first <laughs> few minutes I was out there. So, um, no, it was all... It was all good. I like. Uh, I think Billy's a, a good coach. He's, he's done well with the teams he's had, and um, yeah, it was all it was all good. Fun and games. Well, Jazz fans are up for more fun and games, and we'll make a mental note to talk about the guys who make two hundred million dollars. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, Joe. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. Awesome. Thank you, guys. All right. Go shoot eighty-one percent from three again. Oh, I just broke the rule. <laughs> Doggone it. I'm not very good at this game. All right, there's Joe Ingles. A weekly visit with him. Uh, coming up, we gotta talk we gotta talk more about the uh, the Utes and Alex Jensen, Joe kind of his perspective because he worked out with Alex for a year. Uh, we'll get to that coming up. DJ and PK, a reminder, the Joe Ingles show has been brought to you by Cypress Credit Union, where your future is our future. The Utes, Alex Jensen, that's next. Stay with us. DJ PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision is giving you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call them at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. All right, PK, we just talked a little bit with uh, Joe Ingles about uh, Alex Jensen. He worked with Alex for a year. He's able to give us, you know, some of the specific things that Alex is good at with players because he was a player who worked with him himself. Um, you know, I think you have probably heard what a lot of people in the media have heard and what I had heard for a long time was that Alex was on the pro track and the college track really wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't on his radar. He was an assistant at St. Louis under Rick Majerus, but he made the move to the G League, wanted to get into the pro game, wasn't a big fan of recruiting, and I always thought that was that. But this has gone on long enough that 
he must have some level of interest because he could have shut it down otherwise. And it's a distraction. Maybe it's a minor distraction at this point in the NBA season. But still, if you didn't have some level of interest, you would have shut it down. Now, possibly he's got a lot of interest here. It does seem to me a pivot from what I'd always heard, but we also don't get to interact with assistant coaches. They're pretty much off limits to the media, and you can get people in trouble, so you try not to uh, do that. (laughs) So i got to admit, there's a little bit of mystery here for me as far as what Alex is really thinking, but if you've ever been in a a position where you have to pick between two jobs, it can actually get pretty uncomfortable pretty quickly, and you know that firsthand. Um, where do you think this is going versus where it was in Alex's mind like, I don't know, you know, two years ago or something when this wasn't on the radar? Well, I think that Alex is going to get paid. Uh, I think yeah, that uh, right. he's going to get a raise out of this if he decides to stay with the Jazz. I think Ryan Smith is going to be aggressive in offering him. I don't know literally it will be the same uh amount of money as the head coaching position at Utah, but it would be something that would be a decent raise, same zip code is what I heard, and so that's good for Alex. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm for anybody getting as much money as they can. That's important. As Joe Ingles said, we need to be talking about Rudy and Donovan because they're making $200 million. <laughs> and that was a great line. It was that's a good a line. He- heck of a lot of cash to be making in uh, any any line of work, obviously. So that's good news for him. But, yes, the Utah job is appealing. I, I can read you a text that I got. He's going to have a tough choice. Yep, to I make. buy that. I believe that. And so it, it, the, the good thing is it's a good choice. You're, you're dealing from a position of strength big time. Uh, I, I believe that he will be an NBA head coach if that's what he wants. Uh but you don't know what's ahead. Here's what you do know. You've got the Utah job uh, possibly available to you. I believe it is available to him is what I'm hearing, and that he has to decide, does he want it? And if he wants it, great. We'll all become bigger Ute fans because every one of us, as I've said a million times over, uh, you get to you and my level that we've got, uh, where we're at, it's about individuals that we root for rather than teams. We root for those teams if they're with those individuals, if whatever those teams are, excuse me, whatever those individuals are for, those are the teams that we root for. As I said, I've got to root for Baylor now because of their offensive coordinator. I never would have thought I'd be rooting for Baylor, but I like Jeff Grimes, and I've known him for a long time, and I want Jeff Grimes to succeed. Simple as that. Same thing with Alex here. So he's got to decide what he wants. It's, it's, it's as simple as that, too. Uh, a lot of folks want him to take it. There's a lot of push and speaking with former players that I've known for so many years now because I covered the Utes in the 90s. Uh, everybody knows that. I mean, I went golfing with Britton Johnson a couple of weeks ago uh, just as a little insight to, to the relationships that I've kept over the years uh, because whatever you want to say about Majerus, he recruited a ton of great guys. That was what was – he was tough to cover, let's be honest, but at the same time, the kids that he recruited into the program were so awesome – and they were so fun to uh, uh, be around. Uh, a quick little story uh, about, uh, oh, I don't know, probably 10 years ago or, or so now. I was golfing in Arizona with Ian Fitzsimmons. Remember him? He worked mm-hmm. at KFAN. He was the opposite us in the morning. And yep. I was with ESPN. And so we were golfing in Arizona, the two of us. 
and I hooked my drive into the other fairway. He hits his down this right side of the fairway. So we're like practically 100 yards apart. Well, coming down the opposite fairway where I hooked my drive was Terry Preston, you know, point guard for Utah. Well, I'm having like a 15-minute conversation because we run into each other. And Ian's on the other side of the fair. What is going on, man? What is taking so long? Hit your ball already. And just a little side note, I mean, these guys that I got to know fairly well traveling with them all those years. And so there's a strong push to have Alex get that job. I think the alumni would love to see it. And so he's just the bottom line is he's got a decision to make. And uh, if he, he'll, he'll make it uh, here in, in short order. I guess I, I don't know how much of a distraction it is it, it is for the Jazz because I think everybody respects it. it. It's not like he's got some personal issue that is weighing down the team. This is a situation that has come up, and everybody knows he's an alumni, and you don't have to move your family. Jeff Judkins has told us his wife's from Utah County. He's got two young kids. You're traveling a lot, and so she has an opportunity to be with family. I think everyone respects that and understands, all right, Alex, whatever you need to do to make a decision. You know, you talk about when I was in that position, you had already decided to leave. Well, I went and talked to three or four people that I really trusted in the business, Gordon being one of them, extensive conversations with Gordon, extensive conversations with Ian Fitzsimmons, extensive conversations with you and Randy Rigby and Steve Johnson over at Simmons, blah, blah, blah. And you come to decision and then you, you go on. And obviously it worked out probably best for everybody. And so that's what Alex is deciding. And he'll make a decision. We'll go from there. I think the one thing that should really interest jazz fans in all of this is that, uh, you know, Ryan making uh, Ryan Smith making a really aggressive push. You know, pe- people can say whatever when they buy a team, and we've seen mm-hmm. enough teams bought and sold, yeah. and we've pretty much heard yeah. and said everything. And it really is a lot like the coaching hires. When you talk about you think you know, but you don't really know. And you can be crossed up when a sale happens and think, ugh. This is going to be terrible. And then it actually works out pretty well, right? And then you can also, I mean, when Jerry Jones bought the Cowboys and fired Tom Landry, the outcry was, little did people know that the next decade was going to be awesome. Now, the funny thing is, the first decade didn't really tell you how the second and third decade were going to go, right? So you never really know. But you do want an owner who's going to be aggressive. And I think on the whole, and there's plenty of exceptions, but on the whole, the local owners tend to be more aggressive and they tend to be better owners because the community is holding them accountable. They want to walk around town. Chris Hill talks about it, you know, that his wife couldn't go to the grocery store when he let uh, Ron McBride go. You know, when you're right in the community and the community is invested and the community sees you wherever you go, you want to be able to hold your head up and you want people to be giving you the, hey, attaboy on whatever the last game was, the last decision you made was. But you don't really know how it's going to go. You know, and we have seen teams, owners come in and everything just goes sideways. When I was a kid growing up and when you were a kid growing up, the Dodgers were it for decades. They had like a 30-year run, and maybe it's longer than that going back to Brooklyn, where they were great. And Fox bought them, and I can remember all the griping, the Fox network with all their money. Now the Dodgers will never lose. And it turned out they never won. 
<laughs> they never won. They finally got this World Series as the first one since 88. So you never really know. But when you hear that kind of stuff, you think, hey, nobody's perfect and he's probably going to make mistakes, but he's going to be aggressive and he's going to try to hold on to good people. And if you've ever rooted for a team that was pretty casual about hiring, holding on to good people, that's a bad place to be. So, you know, if he's yeah, going to be I, aggressive and double, I think NBA assistants, I mean, there's a wide range, but I think the better NBA assistants are all over uh, half a million towards a million. Most of them, yes, probably a few yes. outliers. And, and we know Larry was making three mil, and I don't know that the new coach uh, will find out because there'll be an open, you know, there'll be Freedom of Information Act, the open records request, and so we'll know. Um, Correct. But at minimum, and the U may scale back from that, right? They're buying out a coach, and it's a pandemic. It's and two, two, between two, two and a half. Yes. I would think, I would think the floor, it's, if it's under two million, I'll be shocked. But if it's uh, something over two million with some increases built in, that, that won't shock me. So, Correct. If, if, if that word aggressive you got told, and I trust your reporting on this because when you're screwing around and you're talking about the Snickledorfs, you're screwing around talking about the Snickledorfs. But like Alex Good went to people. high school here and it's people's careers and it's people's reputation and you're not going to screw around with that. So when I hear aggressive, I assume that that means if you're going to get in the same zip code was the phrase you used mm-hmm. and the way you said it, I think you're repeating what someone told you. I'm Correct. assuming that aggressive in Ryan's, Ryan Smith's world means, well, you better be ready to double him. And I don't have any idea, you know, if Alex is making, you know, 575 or 700 or 950. I don't know. I, you know He's I, not making a million. Okay. And, and I wouldn't assume he is, but that's he's just not. an assumption. Well, I guarantee you he's not. Okay. So, you know, if you're doubling somebody's salary, you really want to keep them. You are going to value people who are in your yes. organization who are, good, who are good. And to get casual and let those people walk... Man, that, that hurts. And there's plenty of examples across plenty of sports across multiple decades. So that's good. But, you know, you can't put a price on home. And sometimes no. it means more, even to the same person, it means more at a different point in their life. And you know? family. Right. When you have young kids, when your parents are getting older, you get a couple of those yeah. situations. Uh, now, at the same time, when you're empty nesters, you know, I know some people were surprised. We always, we've had Rocky Long on the show, and he went to San Diego State, and I grew up going to Aztec games. They're in the Mountain West, so we talk about them. And I can remember uh, my dad was still alive at that point, and he's San Diego State alum. He's the reason I root for San Diego State. And he said, I can't believe Rocky's coming here. And I'm like, Dad, you've never lived anywhere else. Of course he's going to San Diego. He's at the empty nest phase. He can buy a condo in Coronado and put his wife looking out at the water and able to walk around this small, charming town. Right. And he's got a 20 minute commute (laughs) with no traffic at the hours he's going and coming. Slam dunk. He could be there a decade. He's going to be happy. He's going to win. He's a good coach, you know, and it all played out that way. So you got to allow people at their point in life. And I I really did. The ears perked up when Juddy said, you know, the wife, the extended family, the young kids, like, wow. You know, it's easy to say, hey, he's an NBA guy on an NBA track. He won't take a college job. But you got to factor all this other stuff in, you know. Almost but regardless definitely. of how this plays out, you know, that Ryan Smith's going to make a strong push at him. Ryan came in and said all the right things. But, uh, you know, you go back to the Greg Ostertag era and uh, the former uh, Blazer coach, Jack Ramsey, who was a longtime ESPN commentator. He's passed away around. Uh, he would tell the truth. But he didn't like to jump up and down on people in the media because he'd been on the other side and had people jumping up and down on him and his guys. And he said once about Ostertag, and I thought it was perfect. He said, 
He says all the right things, but with, a gra- with, with Greg, there seems to be a gap between the saying and the doing. And that is not unusual, right? We all can look at our own lives, if we're being totally honest. You don't have to tell anyone, but if you just look in the mirror, like, yeah, I thought this, right, and I said that, but I was really over here, wasn't I? I wasn't where I said I was. I was over here. So Ryan said the right things at the press conference. I think Jazz fans should be pumped that you just said he's going to be aggressive, and whether it's a 75% raise or a 90% raise or 115% raise isn't really important. Value your own people and be aggressive to retain them. But as Joe said, if it's what he really wants and college is home, walk in the halls, you know, if that's what he wants, then you got to wish him well and let him go. But make a strong push to keep him first. Yeah, I think that uh, if, as a Jazz fan, and fans want their teams to win, that's the number one thing. Don't be a bunch of knuckleheads and win. And I think that Ryan Smith, from what I'm gathering, now I've had since he's taken over, I've not spoken one word to Ryan Smith. I've spoken to him in the past, mm-hmm. uh, and I obviously I knew about him, and I knew he wanted to own the NBA team. That was no secret. That was well known in, in media circles. Uh, but I think that the you want your owner, you want your owner. Of course, he wants to make money, or he or she wants to make money. They have that right to want that return on the investment. But you also want them to own to win, not exclusively own to make money, but own to win. And within that, allowing the folks to make the right decisions that you hire and empower them to do that, the, the experts in the field, obviously, and that's Jay-Z and Dennis Lindsay and those guys, have them do that. And that appears to what it, what it is the situation. And I have been told that he'll put together an aggressive package. But, Alex, you know, the, the idea of being home and coaching – uh, at your alma mater in a place where I'm sure you believe it could win because you won at virtually the highest level. You were there, and you were a critical component. You were the player of the year as a senior, and as a sophomore, you were going to the finals and all that stuff. Oh, and, and there are legendary to, lines about yeah. Majerus complaining about how good the team had been. The two teams he had when Alex was on his mission. and, oh, and yeah, I think and they Keith would have been tweet- his senior year. Yeah, Keith yeah. Van Horn has tweeted – out multiple yeah. times about oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, he was in England. Yeah, our uh, <laughs> our ticket to the uh, final four is sitting on a bus bench in London or yeah, something he, like that. He would have guarded yeah. Mercer, and Mercer wouldn't have gone off in Kentucky in the regional final in San Jose. I was courtside. That that's right in my wheelhouse, <laughs> and uh, so I know all about that stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. and and the, the 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 pull of being home and not having to move it's very strong. My first introduction to Bronco Mendenhall. Uh, when I heard that uh, Gary Croton wanted him to be the coordinator, I got his number and I called him and he was driving home from, and he actually worked on a Rocky Long at New Mexico, mm-hmm. and he was driving home. And this is the very first time I spoke one word to Bronco. And the guy had zero guile. That's why I loved covering Bronco and I have the highest respect for Bronco. He was an odd duck, but for me, he was great and I loved him. And he told me on the phone, Here's the deal, man. My parents are getting older. They live in Alpine. This is, I've got young kids. This is an opportunity for me to come home. I'm coming there this weekend. I'm going to tour the facilities. I know I want to be there because of my family. And then on Sunday, I'll make a decision. And I, I suspect that I'll take it. I was like blown away. You're not supposed to tell me that. You're supposed to give me double talk. You're, first of all, you're supposed to be irritated that I got your phone number and I'm calling you on your cell phone. 
phone as you're driving home from practice. That was, I mean, the, I, that was the previous coach. Well, okay, yes, but there was plenty of coaches. I once called Dick Vermeil. How'd you get this number? Like, what? <laughs> He's chewing me. I don't even remember how I got the number, but I got it. If I've always believed in my, uh, from my level, the junkyard dog. If you work hard enough in this business, you'll get what you're looking for. And somehow I got. I don't even remember Dennis Johnson. I we talked about Dennis Johnson yesterday. I called Dennis Johnson once at home. How'd you get this number? <laughs> <laughs> a BYU assistant coach. I wanted to know about a recruit. How did you get this number? You know you're not supposed to have it. I said, do you want me to hang up? He said, no. What's your question? Oh, <laughs> man. Bronco didn't even, he didn't even acknowledge that. He just went right to what he was thinking. And the lore, the point I'm making is the lore of coming home. Well, Alex is home. His wife is home. And if he wants to be a head coach in the NBA, it looks like Quinn Snyder's going to be here for a while. So he's going to have to move, most likely. Uh, so, yeah, who can blame him if he wants that? A lot of things to weigh. We all can relate to that. This is real-life stuff. All of us have been there. You and I, man. I know. I, 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 and, we and I, we I, never I, lived at home. We never lived in the same friggin' state as, our, as my kids' grandparents did. Right. Ever. Ever. And they're all gone now. You don't think that bugs me to an extent? Absolutely it does. Yeah, and as I got older, I, the, every move I made was further away from San Diego. One of the moves was closer to my in-laws. When I went from, uh, from Santa Barbara and my parents were in San Diego, I went to Sacramento. Uh, in-laws were in the, in the East Bay in uh, suburb Danville. And, uh, and so we did get closer there. And moving away to Salt Lake, um, you know, we had to. It was going to be either that or Portland. And we were going to move farther away, and that part of it killed me. And not so much for the in-laws at that point, but for the young nephew who was at a rough stage in life, that was not, that was not ideal. Uh, and then any subsequent chance to move farther east, and there was one chance for Milwaukee, and it just like, it, it's too far away. You know, it's just it's just eating at you. It's just too far away. This is not a good idea. Well, and, I mean, and, and, I mean I, you you to not you turn down. It could have been Keith Olbermann and David James. Okay, stop. So and, and that wouldn't have been a good mix because that's two hardcore liberals. So I don't know how that would have worked out. <laughs> would have been the wokest show ever. Yeah, so, yeah. Before woke was I even a thing, I know we didn't even know we weren't woke to know to be woke. I would have put my white New Balances up on the desk and said, look at this. How cutting edge is this, people? And everyone yeah. rolled their and eyes. And you passed it up. Now, fortunately, now you get gold you're, you're because you got, the opportunity to, you got the opportunity to work with me, so that's better. You're into Sniggledorf makeup territory now. Uh, I just want to get back to Alex because you and I went through it here with the radio and liked people in both groups and didn't know what was going to happen with our coworkers. We had to decide first, and there were – I literally, I decided – uh, second, and you decided third because Scotty G made the jump first, I think. And there were at least four or five question marks around us that we wanted to know the answer to, and we didn't get to know the answer. And we realized we were just going to guess and kind of, and we wanted things to go a certain way, but we weren't sure how they were going to go. And it was agonizing. It was agonizing for me. It was agonizing for you. And anyone who thinks Alex is getting paid, this is awesome. Two people are fighting over him. I haven't spoken to Alex, and I don't even know how long. Not since the pandemic. Uh, before that, I probably passed him randomly in the uh, lower ring of the jazz arena down on the ground floor where the locker rooms are, and I probably said hi to him walking the other way. That's the last thing I remember. So I got zero insight into this, 
but I know him well enough and having been through it, he is he is dying right now. He's going to tell somebody no and he's going to hate it. He's got two really good options and he's just going to have to pick one. And the one he leaves, he's going to like. If he didn't like oh, the Ute cool. option, it would already be over by now. Uh, I agree. So Why wouldn't you like the Ute option? I think it's a great job. It's a great great, great possibilities. I, I, to me, the biggest red flag isn't something the Utes can control. And it's the, I, I think it's got to be one of the major hurdles. And maybe he's, already over, maybe he's already answered in his own mind. But for me, and you talk about this all the time when we ever talk about people, players getting paid, you're like, don't kid yourself, the best players are getting paid. And the only question I have is, I don't have any question about the, the top 20 players, right? Uh, does it go 100 deep? Does it go 500 deep? Does it go 800 players deep? And how much is it? You know, when all the when the all the FBI stuff was coming out and all the shoe company stuff and Arizona and USC, you know, one tiny footnote in all of that was that uh, there was an allegation that uh, Kyle Kuzma got ten grand from a shoe company, right? Now the the Utes yeah, yeah, yeah. from that report from that report the Utes had nothing to do with it, and it was more a shoe company investing in this guy in case he hit in the NBA. And sure enough, he's a Laker playing with LeBron, so that was a great ten thousand dollar investment on behalf of a sh- of an apparel company. Um, and so how much do you have a chance to win and how much when you get into recruiting are you, you're not going to be able to get these guys because you don't want to, uh, as Kentucky did 30 years ago, because this has been going on forever, and Kentucky got busted, they mailed money uh, through a shipping company. I think it was Emory. I don't think it was FedEx, but whatever. And the, the thing tore open and the money spilled out. And that's how the whole thing broke in the 80s, which is why Patino had to come in with that group that, you know, all the, the, the walk-ons and the non-scholarship guys, and he, he somehow got them to a regional final, right? And so that whole scandal yeah, yeah. started eight years earlier. I mean, this has been going on forever. And if that's the world you live in to get players, and if it's like 500 players deep, and I really don't know how deep it goes. I'm sure it happens for the elite players. I don't know how far down that's the way things are done. So, you know, does Alex want to have to compete in that world? You know, it's the, it's the only asterisk I put on letting Larry go is was the biggest problem, and I think there were clearly other problems, but are you not getting those big high school recruits you talk of, PK, because the waters are so muddied by all the cash, and you just don't want to wade into that end of the pool you know, because that end of the pool's turned into. And this is a quote from someone who works in it, who I've known a long time. Who's I asked him something because I knew he knew something about a scandal that was breaking with a school, and I knew he knew. And he said, "DJ, I'm not going to tell you about that. All I'll tell you is my industry is a septic tank, and I'm standing in it hip deep." And I thought, okay, that's enough of the truth for me. I've known this guy a long time. I don't need to press it anymore. But. How bad is it out there, and does Alex really want to deal with that? Now, you're in the pros, and one sideways look from a star can get you fired, so maybe you just got to pick your poison. Uh, something to be said for that, and I get your point there. Yeah, it's not, and, I, and I actually talked to Alex about the Cleveland job after the fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were is that those jazz uh, where they have the media play. and Media training camp. My day of trying to impress some coach is long gone. <laughs> <laughs> And it's because I've known Alex since 1993. We ended up talking about that and just enjoying each other's company, which I've done a few times over the years. And so, uh, yeah, and just talking. And we know the reason why I bring that up is because Beeline got the job. And then what was he? He was gone by Christmas or something, mm-hmm. wasn't it? It was, it was quick. It did not work. It, I don't think he finished a full season. I can look it up. Oh, but, I know he didn't finish yeah. a full season. But, I mean, it was way quick. 
And so your point being, as Judkins said the other day, you know, you have one good season and then it seems like you'll be coach of the year and next year get fired. It's crazy at, at, at that level. So, yeah, there are downsides to everything. And I can tell you, I literally know of a player who's in the NBA that the Utes lost out on because they weren't going to give him money that he can get elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And they thought he had him in the bag, and he's literally in the NBA today as we speak. He is, in fact, the Jazz just played him the other day. And uh, they lost out because of the money situation. So, yes, that's going to happen. Hopefully that that will be mitigated to an extent with this licensing and image and name and all that stuff. But I still think that to eradicate cheating in college hoop is ridiculous. And college hoop, of all the sports, might be the dirtiest because one or two players can make a significant difference, whereas in football you need one or two dozen players. So one player is nice, but you need a whole bunch. And basketball, you don't. You need just a couple of players and you are good to go. And so I think it just lends itself to the cheating. And plus there is really no AAU circuit in football the way there is in basketball. So you've got a ton of people who have influence that don't have the educational background. The days of the high school coach being the go-between uh, is just, that's over, man. That high school coach doesn't have as much influence as he used to have, and he's usually a little more reputable, generally speaking. So it's a dirty, dirty, as you say, cesspool. There's no doubt about it, and I don't know that it's going to stop. So, yeah, there's pl- pluses and positive pluses and minuses to everything. All right, DJ and PK, Alex is going to have to figure it out, and it's may give him a headache for a little while, but we'll see which way he, he goes in the end because he's got a lot, of, a lot of people who like him, a lot of people who are uh, leaning on him, no doubt. All right, when we come back, everything you missed in this show, stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show Friday at The Warehouse from 2 to 6 p.m. at 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low it'll blow your mind. Boom! Just like the trade deadline today. Boom, 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 and more boom. And that's really what the last few minutes have been like. Because <laughs> it is happening, people. There yes. are deals being made. And the yep. good news is, so far, and of course you've got your doubts about whether this will last or not. <laughs> but so far, it's not the power brokers in the West. These are Eastern teams dealing with Eastern teams. Fine. And See, none that, of them are the Nets. Yeah, you can. This way, you can have all the rush of. There's a trade. Who's moving? Did it work? Who got the better end of the deal? Without thinking, ooh, how does it impact the Jazz in the playoffs? So far, yeah. So uh, we're getting a lot of people tweeting at us. Thank you, Orlando, for beating the Suns before you dismantled your team. We're getting multiple tweets about that. 
Oh, that true. Is, yeah. That is a very valid point. And, and if you missed it earlier in the show, we did tell you about the JaVale McGee deal uh, that he's going to Denver. So I don't want to say nothing is happening in the West. But Evan Fournier from the Orlando Magic to the Boston Celtics for two second-round picks. And Evan Fournier uh, drove into the lane with six and a half seconds to go and flipped a layup high off the glass over everybody and got it to drop, which turned out to be the game-winning hoop against... Uh, the Suns. So the Jazz now have a three-game lead. They pick up a game with their 30-point blowout of the Nets, or at least the guys who are wearing the Nets uniform. They aren't really the players we think of as the Nets. So they got a three-game lead, and now uh, Fournier's on the way to Boston, and I wonder how he'll fit in there, PK, because we're dealing with real-life people and egos and feelings and relationships. And on paper, the talent might make sense, but, uh, you know, the, the mix in Boston never worked, and there was a weird thing with Hayward getting hurt and young guys blossoming and taking over the team while he was gone. So that never worked out. I wonder how this will work out with Fournier going there. Well, he's a nice player, just averaging a shade under 20 for a lousy team. Uh, Boston, something's wrong there, man. I mean, they, they should be better than they are. The talent is not – they're not getting a return on the investment there. And we know Ainge. He's not a guy who sits still, and so he's bold. So – at the very least, it's worth a shot because you're going nowhere, man. You should not be just hovering around 500, I don't think, anyway. Uh, so it uh, gets an opportunity to be going nowhere in, in uh, Orlando. Uh, so he's a nice player. I think he's uh, he's a countryman of Rudy Gobert's, right? He's from France. Uh, so uh, they need help. Give it a shot, I guess. What do you, at this point, what do you got to lose? Yeah, we'll see how that uh, how that plays out. Yak, you're tracking more deals. Uh, you were Yak was spewing out multiple ones to me. Well, What's the yeah. next one? Well, that yeah, Vukovic. He's headed to uh, Vucevic. Sorry, I pronounced that incorrectly. Yeah. He is headed to Chicago. Uh, he's going to get two first round picks back to Orlando, along with Otto Porter Jr., a guy that Jazz fans have long hoped would be here in Salt Lake City. So. Interesting move there. Orlando's just selling. They're, they've yeah. blown everything up. Yeah, I mean, he's a good player, a kid out of SC. Made the all-star team. Uh, so yes. So for the, for the Bulls, uh, that's a nice move. Uh, but Orlando's looking for picks to get younger and, and build through the draft, I guess, here, as, as this is a big-time uh, rebuild because I think they just got rid of their two best players. So uh, there you go. We know what Orlando's doing. So the, I, li- I like it from the Bulls' perspective. What about Aaron Gordon? What's happening? I mean, if they're going to town, then Aaron Gordon's got to yeah. move. Yeah. So they're saying that Aaron Gordon's now on the trade block. Obviously, he's been the long-talked-about one. There's also talk of Terrence Ross. Essentially, Orlando, yeah, they're going fire-sell mode. So. Everybody who's anybody, yeah. I think that, uh, from what I understand, that Gordon would love to go home, and he went to. He grew up in the Bay Area. He's a San Jose kid. He played the one year in Tucson. Uh, so I don't know what the Warriors got. I would suspect that the Warriors make a move or two. And I was listening to NBA radio yesterday for probably like two hours plus. Uh, Eddie Johnson's on the sharpshooter. He does the commentary for the Suns. He and this guy, I don't know, he calls, I don't know who the guy is, but those two just scream at each other sometimes. <laughs> I mean, man, I'm, I'm talking, you're, you're thinking they're going to come to blows. Uh, they really get after it. And they were debating about uh, Orlando, or excuse me, Golden State, you know, should they build 
and somebody I, I don't remember is Eddie or the other guy, and I'm not sure who the other guy is. They're saying, "No, you got Steph Curry." Well, the, I think the other guy was saying that's why you should consider trading Steph Curry because you need to rebuild. Blah, blah, blah. And they're saying, oh, "Wait a second here, you know, you know, are they if they they got Wiseman, who's a developing player? Uh, I think they got an opportunity. I think they have a top three pick." That's uh, well. Minnesota has it if it's protected top three. If not, then they get it, or they can get it next year unprotected. So they could possibly get a high pick there. You got Clay Thompson coming back. Green is still a player. So if they have an opportunity to get Aaron Gordon, obviously he would help. He would be re-energized, and he gets to go home. Uh, do they have a package of young players? That's where I thought Pace's kid might be included in something. I have no knowledge of that. But it looks like he's a project, right? He was what he was what you would label as a prospect if we were going in in, in a baseball situation. He looks like he uh, he might be a player. Maybe he's a backup. I don't know. He's only 20 years old, so he's still just a young kid. So see what happens. But that might be something there. And and I I still think the Lakers are going to make a couple of moves. And you know Kyle Lowry, what do you do there? Uh, 35 years old, but he can help you win today. There's no question he's. He can help you win this season. So the Lakers have that interesting dynamic. And, and ESPN, I had it flicked on, and they had their trade simulator thing of uh, Schroeder and Caldwell Pope and that kid that I was talking about, the Tucker kid. They had him listed in there for a Kyle Lowry, a 35-year-old Kyle Lowry, who's still a decent player. So inter- interesting situations that people, decisions they have to make. And I was thinking, man, if this – kid that I just spoke of of the Lakers develops I keep thinking of what the White Sox did they went after they got James Shields from the Padres and they gave up Tatis Jr. now looking at that deal anybody who made that for the White Sox should be fired immediately (laughs) (laughs) there are I mean there it is surprising how often a veteran gets traded for a prospect and and the prospect is literally going to be a Hall of Famer I mean, it's the the, yeah, the Smoltz one is the ultimate example. That's a great example. Sure. How about um, the Padres? I think traded got Hoff, uh, got Trevor Hoffman, and they got him. I think in the Gary Sheffield fire sale deal. Yeah, Sheffield was a nice player, but why would you trade a guy who's going to save five hundred games? <laughs> I, I, but she, she, I think Sheffield was a little bit better than a nice player, uh, whereas James Shields isn't yeah. or wasn't. And you gave up the most dynamic player in the game right now. Oh, gosh. And now they got a kid that the White Sox recovered. The kid, Anderson, who plays short for the White Sox, is very good himself. He's an all-star level caliber. But you got to be careful on that. And that's that's the baseball thing because they got guys in the minors. Mm-hmm. And basketball, maybe it doesn't happen as much. But you still got to figure out. If I'm the Lakers, though, if I have an opportunity to get Lowry – Sheesh, that I think that really helps them in the immediacy this very season, yeah, this the, very postseason. The 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 basketball is different because you're getting guys the the guys who are projects here. You know, maybe you can turn a guy into a rotation guy or into a starter, but you don't usually turn him into a Hall of Famer. The I Hall agree. of Famers are the draft picks, and that's why the draft picks are now protected because right. back in the day, people traded the draft picks. And you know, the the New Orleans Jazz wanted Gail Goodrich, and so they gave up the pick that turned out to be Magic Johnson. So advantage now, Lakers, yeah, a little bit, right? So uh, now those picks are always protected, and that's for the very reason you talk about it. You don't, I don't think you you don't trade an actual player who's been picked in the second round, and you know, 
give up a Hall of Famer. No, and there's plenty of Hall of Famers in baseball who've come through the minor leaguers, practically yeah. every single one of them. Yeah, there's just a handful <laughs> of guys who've gone straight to the big. So we understand that's the process there, where it isn't as much in basketball, for sure, if at Hello, all, in Ru- basketball. Rudy, Rudy was late first round. That draft pick was traded, and he played in the G League. So I guess you can't. You can never say never. No, you can't. You can't. I agree. Okay. Uh, Yak, while we were talking, did anything else happen? It's really hard to talk and to follow Twitter. So if anything happens in the next 15 minutes, because we are getting up against it. The trade deadline is 1 o'clock, and that's when the trades have to be done. They don't have to be announced. So, you know, Scotty and Hand show goes until 2. They could easily be announcing trades in the final half yeah, hour of their so show. So nothing, like, super recent. Terrence Ross from the Magic just sent out a gif of uh, Barack Obama crying. So apparently we <laughs> somebody else wants out of Orlando. <laughs> Why was he crying, man? That guy was so soft. Ooh, I didn't say that, did I? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I meant Terrence Ross. He's soft. Why ah, is he crying? Okay, good save. <laughs> that is your cackle. <laughs> oh, just having fun. Uh, all right. Anything you want to recap in this show? We did all the new stuff with the trade deadline, all the stuff that's just happened in the last 30 to 60 minutes. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome that that's what we're recapping because when the Jazz win by 107, there's not a lot to say. <laughs> 107. They won by 30. If you missed it, you didn't miss much. The Nets sat everybody who was anybody. Some of the guys are out for the rest of the season. Some of the guys are out for the rest of the road trip. Uh, they're, they're actually iffy here. on. They're hedging on whether Harden will play Friday. I expect he will. But we'll Who do see. they play Friday, do you know? Is it West, it's got to be a Western team, right? Yes, I will have that for you momentarily. They're uh, on a four-game swing right now. It's uh, the Pistons. Oh, well, then who cares? <laughs> I don't. I don't care. Does, Sit them. Doesn't impact me. the Jazz, right? It doesn't impact the Jazz. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah. I read stuff on this trip that they, with uh, when Kyrie wasn't going, that they thought they'd be happy if the Nets would go one and two on the trip. And they already got the one in Portland, so they could afford to sit everybody against Utah and then see what they can do Friday against Detroit. But that's it for the Nets now. We won't think about them until we uh, get to the playoffs and see if they can get to the final. I hope we do think about the Nets. They're playing. Yeah, the Jazz Net final, that means the Jazz are in the finals, so run with that. All right, DJ PK, your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Have we ever talked to John on the air? No, no, and I've got questions. Is he there? I'm here. Hey, John, how are hey, you? Hey, John. I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, John, yeah. we have you. No, no. <laughs> We've had a, uh-huh. a, a long back and forth about a pitchfork incident. I want to know the details of my buddy here and your brother running a pitchfork through you. <laughs> we were out working and, you know, cleaning our ends or whatever you want to call it. And uh, he thought that he was like King Triton and he uh, threw that pitchfork and that is true enough. He just rang on the mark and put it right underneath the kneecap. Did you throw a trident? Yeah, and I killed a guy with a trident. Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Time now to get your feedback on today's show. A lot of people talking about the Nets game, the Jazz. Was that a, uh, a disappointment for Jazz fans? Was it good? Uh, Michael, I don't care. I'm happy to get the double. You will see the Nets in the finals, baby. Ooh. That'd be awesome. Joey Johnson says a win is a win, but it would have been nice to beat their big three. 
Well, that's true. It would have been nice. Don't know that he would have done it, but it would have been nice. Most definitely would have been nice. It would have been nice to see. Tommy says, no, I'm not disappointed. Play who you brung. It shows up as a W. It do. Following along says, it's the same as the Clippers resting Kawhi and Paul George. Teams are just making a business decision in games they're unlikely to win. Mm. C. Payne says, not at all. The professional team chose not to play some key players against our professional team. No asterisk needed. Hashtag go jazz. So taking it as a business decision, now I assume you're not the fan who plunked down however many hundred dollars to go see a game. <laughs> Good point. You know, and there's, there's $50 seats in the arena, and if you buy two of them, you're out 100 bucks. There's $300 seats in the arena. If you bought four of them, you're out 1200 bucks. So when I say however many hundreds, I don't know how many tickets you bought, I don't know where you're sitting, but if you went to see the Stars, you're disappointed. Now having said that, there are people who plunk down that money, and they want to see the Jazz win. So... Even among those people, there may be a But this split. was an extreme example, though. It really was. And if you really want to see stars and you're going to buy NBA tickets, it doesn't matter if you're buying them in Utah or L.A. or New York, you need to check schedules. Because once you saw that it was a three-game trip, the second game was in Utah after a game in Portland, you know, David Locke always says that if you go big picture, the only teams where the numbers hold up where there's a home court advantage is Utah and Denver, and it's obviously the altitude. I'll take, obviously, the altitude, but I'm going to add they, the built-in advantage, and no one ever complains about their built-in advantages. The built-in advantage the Jazz and Denver have is a lot of teams go to the West Coast. East Coast teams go to the West Coast to start a road trip. They play, and they fly here for a back-to-back. Now, anytime you're playing back-to-back on the road, you're at a disadvantage. If, it's, if both games are on the road, that's a rough thing. But there are some flights that are harder than others, and if you're flying an hour and a half and you're giving up a time zone, that's hard. You know, if you're playing back-to-back and you're in Philly and you go to Washington, that's not as hard. It's just not. You know, New York to Boston isn't as tough. If you're going from the West Coast and you're going to Salt Lake or Denver, I mean, Denver's another hour, it'd be even longer. You know, you're getting in at 3 or 4 in the morning. I mean, we always market whenever the Jazz have a back-to-back, well, did they get a full night's sleep? It's not just the playing two games in two days. It's having your sleep all messed with. You know, we've all traveled at some point and had our sleep messed with, and you just don't feel your best. No, not at all. But I think the best thing here for the Jazz is they've got a really good team, too. Right. And so at least that you didn't see their stars, but you saw your stars. And they came out and did their thing. Right from the from the get go, you see Donovan was dialed in, and he ended up with twenty seven points and seven assists. So and there I you think go. that you know we haven't really spoken about it, but the last couple of games, the slow starts individually by Mitchell, no, have not happened, and uh, we we haven't given that much attention at all. We haven't, and, but I think we need to partner that up with what Joe Ingles told us that you know there are games they know where they've had stretches where they haven't played their best and they've let teams stay in games, and then in a short period of time, it's easier for that less talented team to put the Jazz in a bad spot. And Joe said, you know, paraphrasing him, he said, but, but we did that to ourselves by putting ourselves in a spot we shouldn't have been in. And part of that is obviously your really dynamic offensive player coming out and being a dynamic offensive player early in the game. Don't, don't give time. them two quarters where they don't have to defend you. <laughs> Make them defend you all the time. Right, and, and I think Mitchell is of the level that it's nice to get the other guys involved, but it's nicer to have your star kick butt at the start. And the other guys, he'll get the other guys involved. 
it's not like he's going to be Allen Iverson or somebody. And this team isn't built that. That Philly team was built, and Iverson had to do it every night. And sort of like Lillard uh, in Portland. I mean, he really has to do it. The Jazz are more balanced. they got more talent than that. So the other guys, there's going to be opportunities. And whether Mitchell is a slow starter or a fast starter, the other guys will have opportunities. So you might as well start fast and get in a rhythm early. It's great that you can turn it on in the second half and still turn it on in the second half, but don't have to turn it on as much. And Donovan Mitchell's come out, and he's kicked butt right from the start. I think that's a good sign. Yeah, and you, it's like you say, you don't have to be Iverson and be a volume shooter. You know, as long as you're no. playing games and setting stuff for yourself, and I think to some level Donovan does that. Yeah, uh, he does. Yeah, hey, let's have, sure. instead of having 5 to 10 points at halftime, let's have 10 to 15, but let's do it on 10 shots or less. You know, you don't have to use a lot of shots. You can still get other guys' shots and get other guys going. You know, exactly. and, and maybe yes. that needs to be the goal is, hey, I need to have, I need to have four assists at halftime. I need to make sure that I've gotten other guys' corner threes or I've gotten Rudy and alley-oop. Mm-hmm. So. All right, DJ and PK, it's the Jazz and the Memphis Grizzlies tomorrow night and Saturday night, so we'll have more on the Grizz tomorrow. And Kyle Whittingham will speak with the media, and we've got a uh, question up on our Facebook page about Kyle. You should go to our Facebook page and weigh in on that, and we have been sitting on that because we've had some NBA stuff and deadline stuff to talk about, but we can hit that tomorrow. DJ and PK, Hanson Scott, you're next. We'll see you.